Welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey, episode number 81, presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi, and I am a certified G and a bona fide stud, and you can't teach that. And this right here, this is Frankie Mueller, and he's seven foot tall, and you can't teach that. Bada boom. What up, Frank? Happy one-year podcast anniversary to you being a full-time member of this show. I am incredibly, incredibly proud to be your partner. One of your very best friends, your cousin, and everything else positive in between. I am so thankful to have you here. It has just been an absolute joy for the last year. I've been rambling on. How do you feel? I feel great. I can't believe it's been a year already, man. Time flies, especially when you enjoy what you do. Um, I, I want to know how you knew that it was the one year. Did it like something pop up? or? Yeah, I shared that thing on oh, Facebook. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's year, right. It was the one-year yeah. memory. I like. I made an announcement last year that you were officially going to be joining full-time after I think like a week or two had gone by in between your guest appearance and you joining full-time. Yeah. And yeah. the rest, as they say, is history. Joey Parisi is here with us in spirit. He wanted me to relay the message of happy podcast anniversary along with saying that the Bruins are the best team in the NHL and they're guaranteed to win the cup. He wanted me to get that in there too. He's an absolute freaking clown <laughs> saying that after, you know, it was a trap game. He's right about that. They lost to the Ottawa senators who are going to score some hella goals this season, but man, what a ride it's been. If you could, could you think of one thing on this show that you would say has been your just everlasting top moment? I mean, there's a couple that come to mind for me, but. Hmm. My everlasting top moment. Dudes, what's up, Skokes? Thank you for joining um, in. I don't know. Maybe having Pooch on the show was one of them. Absolutely. Yep. I that, that, you that, mentioned that. That's up there. Um, my very first show, obviously, because that was fun. That was episode 29, I believe. That's Banana um, Lands. I was going to say Dave Sims, but that wasn't the show. Even yeah, though no. it wasn't the best... It wasn't the best interview. I mean, that was still a cool moment, but yeah, that wasn't the show. But yeah, the, the Pooch thing was cool. I mean, all the people we've interviewed have been cool. We've seen some... Booch was pretty cool. Um, Boochie and Poochie. Boochie and Poochie. No, yeah, both both of those were pretty cool. I mean, there's been a lot of good moments. There's so many of them that it's hard to just pick one, you know? So you, you kind of have to have your Mount Rushmore of them. Which, yeah. Yeah. 100%. And, you know, there's no better time to celebrate the one-year podcast anniversary than with the return of the national hockey league 2022-23 season it has been an absolute wild ride and we will get to that in period number one welcome to period one frank 
Hockey's back. Before we get into any of the nitty-gritty meat and potatoes of this shit, you happy, man? Because I've been as into this, and I know I'm always equally as into it. I have a show about it. I write about it. But, man, it has been fun covering the NHL for the first week of the season. It has been really, really fun. I'm glad that hockey's back. I've finally been able to watch three Hawks games. It's been one hell of a ride. I mean, the offseason's great and all, right? You need that little break. I mean, you need a break from everything. But having hockey back and just having that sense of adrenaline in your blood rushing through your veins, it's just been incredible, and I'm very happy that it's back. Absolutely. And to kick off today's show, in terms of hockey discussion, analysis, breakdown, I want to start with a friend, not a friend of the program because he hasn't been on yet, but someone who has been highly, highly talked about on this podcast. I would say if we had to make a top 10 most talked about players, it would be Tampa Bay Lightning captain Steven Stamkos, who, although the Lightning are only 1-3-0, for some reason they're off to a slow start again after being... They did this last year too. They did do this last year. I'm not worried about the Lightning one bit, but... The 1-3-0 start is a bit, you know, it could go off the rails or they could come back and be the lightning. You know, it's one of the two ways that it tends to go for these teams. But, man, has Steven Stamkos been absolutely unreal. He saw Austin Matthews score 60 goals. He heard his name be mentioned as the most recent player to score 60 goals. Before that, he's been a multiple-time 40-plus goal scorer and 50-goal man. He's like, hey, guys, don't forget about me. I'm certainly not old. Mm-hmm. You know, I could score a crap ton of goals. Frankie and Vinny didn't even mention me in the 50-goal conversation. I'll show them. What do you make of Steven Stamkos' hot start? I mean, he's he's. they've only played four games, and he's got six goals. Um, I mean, that's just insane. We all know what uh, Steven Stamkos is capable of, but I feel like the past few years by themselves, he's kind of been a little bit underrated and not talked about because you got Nikita Kucherov, which is kind of like the face of the franchise now when you think of the Tampa Bay Lightning, whereas 10 years ago when I thought of Tampa Bay, I thought of Steven Stamkos, right? But And I know he's had his injuries, which may be a reason why not as many people are talk about him as much as they used to. And like I said, there's a lot more younger talent on the team. But, I mean, we all know what this guy's capable of. He scored 60 goals. He had a 60-goal season. He reached 100 points last year. I think he had 106 points last year, which was shockingly to me the first time that that's ever happened in his career. He's came close. He's gotten over 90, but he never got over that 100-point mark until last year. And he's well on pace to do it again this year. I mean, it seems like he wants to reach 60 again, maybe, or potentially get back to the 100 for the second time in his career. Now, I know it's, you know, you could jump the gun early. He's got uh, six goals in four games, right? So you could say, wow, he's he's going to get 60. But obviously that pace is going to slow down a little bit. I don't expect him to stay on this crazy pace and have 12 goals after eight games. But, I mean, he's definitely a, an amazing goal scorer, one of the best that there is in the National Hockey League. And I love Steven Stamkos, and I love what he's doing right now. It's just it hasn't helped the Lightning win any games as of late. So we'll see what happens as it goes forward, but I don't expect them to stay on this pace. Steven Stamkos is one of the great players in the game. I, for some reason, he's just like that guy who you never really hear anybody say anything negative about him because – you know, he's just always out there and he's given it his best and he did have the injury trouble. I think Steven Stamkos would already like 
he would be in that mix for like considered the top players in the league, even though he, he is in a, in a lot of ways, hundred points last year. I bet less than 20 guys at a hundred points last year. No way that even that number of players. Had no, 100. not that many. And, and Stamkos has just been so good. He had that bad injury where he broke yep. his tibia. I want to say it was, that's a bad break. The big bone in your leg. And that was busted in half. He missed pretty much the rest of the season. I think he showed up for the playoffs. He ended up not going to the Olympics. Then a year later, he had the blood clot. And that was something that took him out of the postseason. And then the Lightning missed the playoffs by one point. Mm-hmm. It was just a weird time for Stamkos. And then it took him a couple years. He was still putting up 30-goal, 80-point seasons, which is nice. That's all-star level stuff. But it's like, hey, remember when Stamkos used to be better than an all-star? You know, he he was the number one overall pick in the NHL draft at one point in time. And I believe in fantasy, he was drafted number one over Sid one year, which was just absolute craziness. Stamkos, as of last year, he was fully healthy. He was on a great team. They were ready to go. It wasn't all about goal scoring to get his points, which to me increases your value as a player. If you're more than just a pure goal scorer, Stamkos is clearly not just a pure goal scorer, even though he scores lots of goals. Listen to this. Stamkos is going to get his 500th career goal this season and his 1,000th point. Buddy's going to the Hall of Fame with his two Stanley Cups, 500 goals, 1,000 points. He'll probably reach 1,000 games played at some point. He's still got you know, X amount of time left in the league. Like it's going to be a while with, with Stamkos in this league. I just think he's one of the game's all-time greatest players. And I'm super thrilled that his season has started this hot. I agree with you that he's not going to score six goals a week the rest of the season and have 60 goals. Like there's a reason Matthews is the only one who's done that once in the last decade, maybe longer than a decade. Um, but do I think 45, 45, 65, 110? Yeah, 100% for Steven Stamkos, especially if the Lightning continue to, you know, work the power play the way that they have this year. A lot of Stamkos' goals are coming from him just slapping one tease from the dot, and you know the Lightning are going to be sick on the power play regardless of what their record is with Kucherov, and then Hedman is one of the best defensemen in the NHL. Um, I, I believe they'll figure it out as a unit, but Stamkos, man, what a player. What was the year he was on the NHL cover? Was that NHL 12, I think it was? was? NHL 12. And that was the year he had 60 goals, wasn't it? I believe he got the cover after scoring 60 goals. Yeah, it was was 11-12, but NHL 12, I think that's why he got the cover, right? Yeah, 100%. Then he got the cover for the 12-13 season. Yeah. Wait, I'm wrong. It had to be the 10-11 season because NHL 12 came out in August of 2011. Yeah, I mean, you could be right. All I know is, like, at that point in time, it was like Steven Stamkos was almost like the face of the NHL. Yeah. It but, was him, yeah. and Ovi were the mm-hmm. three best players in the league. Mm-hmm. And Malkin. And Malkin. They were the four best players in the league. Can't forget about Malkin. Malkin's better than Stamkos career-wise. But, you know, it's close. It's certainly close. If you were to name the top ten best players from 2008, Eight when Stamkos was the first overall pick to today. McDavid is the, probably the only young player in that group, but Stamkos is in that mix mm-hmm. with Crosby, with Kane, Ovechkin, Malkin. Yeah, I would take Stamkos's career over most players to play Absolutely. in the last, in the last twenty years. There's no doubt Absolutely. about it. So, credit to Steve Stamkos. This is a pro Stamkos podcast. Um, you know who 
is not really doing all that great right now. The Vancouver Canucks? The Vancouver Canucks. It's almost like you have a script in front of you. <laughs> they have blown. Is it four? Four? Uh, yeah, four. four. Is it four? Four yep. multi-goal leads, and they are one of three teams in the National Hockey League that remain winless from the start of last week to right now, and they've blown multi-goal leads in all four games. They could have had at least one win had they clamped down on one of them. And it's to the point uh, Joey Parisi made this mention to me. We were on the phone chatting a little bit before the show started. He feels like he lost money because he didn't bet on Columbus to come back and win yesterday when they were down two to nothing. And he wanted to do it and went against it thinking that there was absolutely no way that they could choke a multi-goal lead two games in a row. And I think you got to keep betting it until it doesn't hit because they are so fragile right here. Sports a lot of the time are played right here just as much as they are played right here. And as the actual playing of the sport and the Canucks are very fragile right now. There, it's definitely a mental game as well, and I agree with Joey 100%. I mean, there's trends in sports that when trends are trends, you bet the trend. And with something like this, I mean, if they're up, then, yeah, you should definitely – a couple games that they're up, you should bet against them to lose the game because you're going to get some pretty good value. I mean, the other night the uh, when Toronto was home against the Coyotes, Toronto was up 2-0 in the third, and there was like – I don't know, 10 to eight minutes left to go in the third. And I think the Maple Leafs were like plus 800. And you're like, there's no way that they would potentially win the game. And they tied it up in the third and then eventually lost. But there's always that factor that anything can happen, right? It's hockey. So I, I completely agree with Joey 100%. I want to tell the viewers, just in case they don't know how bad these games were for the Canucks, if they weren't keeping track of it. Game one against the Oilers, they're up 3-0. They blew that lead. Game two, they faced off against the Flyers. They had a two-goal lead against the Flyers, who were supposed to be really bad this year, and they blew that as well. The third game, they played the Capitals. They were up two goals in the third. It was 4-2 going to the third period, and they lost 6-4 to four in regulation. And then the fourth game against the Columbus Blue Jackets, they had a two-goal lead and a one-goal lead. They were up two, blew the two-goal lead, regained the lead, up one, blew that, and ultimately lost the game. I mean – if you're the Canucks, that's just so deflating, not only for those first four games, but for the rest of the season. Like I said, hockey's a mental game. So you're telling me later in the year when you have a lead, that'll be in the back of your head. Like, hey, guys, this isn't over. We've been here before and we choked it. So, I mean, that that mental aspect's going to play a role for the rest of the NHL season. And, I mean, I mean, that's just rough. And Demko doesn't look good. Spencer Martin, their backup's the only goalie right now for them to get a point. And that was yesterday against the Blue Jackets. I mean, things aren't looking good for them. And I thought for sure they would potentially have the, that factor of being one of those surprise teams, maybe. Um, but so far, no good. I agree with you. They were one of the teams in the Pacific that I had just kind of like just missing the playoffs. And their top guys have been their top guys. I yeah. mean, Elias Pedersen has been scoring goals. Um, we saw Brock Besser is a good player. And um Quinton Hughes is outstanding uh I really like Bo Horvat I think he's a great two-way centerman he scored a goal in this stretch that they weren't able to pick up a win so it's not great in Canuck land right now but we'll see if they're able to dig their way out of it I do believe they will be able to I do not think they're one of the worst teams in the NHL but it's gonna be a minute before they have their full wealth of 
confidence back, I would say, after starting uh, – I think they're 0-3-1. Yeah. So not great in Vancouver. The only problem is you can't get too deep in a hole because we, we talk about it all the time on this show. In all sports, it's very hard to climb out of deep holes. Even yep. in the NHL, even though you're playing 82 games, that's a lot of games. If you go like 0-6, that's tough to make on later in the year, especially if you want to be a bubble team. So it, it sure is. And, you know, I think it makes it even harder in hockey because baseball and football and basketball are pretty cut and dry, right? Like you win or you lose. Mm-hmm. Okay? You're either three games back. I know there's the half in baseball, but that's just because there's less games played than the other team. Off days always even that out. And then football, you you either have a one-game lead, a two-game lead, a three-game lead in a division. Those are hard to come back from just because there's so few games. But in hockey, the problem is if you go to overtime, you get a loser point. And so even the worst teams in the lead are picking up loser points all season long. No team in the league goes a week without getting at least two points at, by virtue of maybe – if you're one of the worst teams in the league, your average week is probably looking at like one, two, and one. And that's still you're getting three points out of a possible six. You're still going to be in the bottom half of the league, but it's hard to pass over teams. You need wins and you need those teams to start losing in regulation if you want to eventually jump them. And that's just mm-hmm. so hard to see on a consistent basis. We see t- games go to overtime all the time. And yeah, that, that's just the way it is. Neither of our two favorite teams have made their way to overtime yet, but I don't think it ain't coming. It, it's coming. It'll it's very rare way. that a team doesn't get at least a point in a given week. Yes. Unless your name is the San Jose Sharks. Yes. Who are going to be. 5 and 0. Yeah. They're, they're <laughs> terrible. The Devils play them on Saturday, which worries me. I hope they win before that. I really do. But on the contrary, actually, not on the contrary, the other. Oh, a team that's winless in the NHL. You brought up the Sharks, 0-5-0. They're just so bad that, like, they, they haven't even started their rebuild yet. And they that they kind of make me a little worried about the Hawks, which we'll get to the Hawks in the second period. But they have that Eric Carlson contract, 11 mil, for just a pretty good offensive defenseman later in his career. And I, I, I don't want that to be Jones. If someone offers them anything for Jones, they have to take it right now so that they don't become San Jose, who it's just so hard for them to rebuild because of the fact that they have that monstrosity of a contract on their books. But between them and the Canucks, the only other team that doesn't have a win is a team that both of us picked to make it to the postseason this year, and that is the Minnesota Wild, who have just been a disaster. They're they're not even just losing – like when the Devils started 0-2-0, they outshot their opponent 2-1 to in, in both games, and they lead the league in expected goals for, and it was like, okay, if their goalie makes one more save, they end up probably winning the game. The goalies haven't been that good to start. The Wild are like the exact opposite. They're losing, and they're losing in ugly ways. Marc-Andre Fleury does not look good. They've given up a lot of goals. They're not defending well. They're scoring. Kirill Kaprizov is off to a good start. Matthew Boldy is absolutely unreal, but they just can't keep the puck out of their own net when they need to the most. So what do you make of the Wild being terrible? Yeah, I'm not worried about them, right? I still think they're going to make the postseason. You have to take a look at who they lost to. They lost to the New York Rangers, the LA Kings, and the Colorado Avalanche, who are three pretty good teams that I thought would be going into the, the regular season. Um, and all three of those teams potentially could be playoff team. So, right? But the biggest takeaway here in those three losses is they've given up 20 goals in three games. That is, you're averaging giving up over six goals per game. That cannot happen. Flurry's got to be better. 
Gustafson's got to be better because neither of them have been good. Um, and like you said, Kirill Kaprizov, I mean, he's looked great. He's got five points in three games. He's got three goals in those three games. He was one of the guys I picked to surprise us and have a 50-goal year this year, and I truly stand behind that, and I still believe it. He's on pace to do so. He's not overperforming right now, and he's not really underperforming. He's performing exactly how I thought he would up to this point in the season. So if they could get their act together, they could win these games. They could. They just have to keep the puck out of the net. I think that's their biggest problem here is, like, we know they could score. We know they have the talent on their team to put the puck in the net, but do they have what it takes to stop the puck from going into their net? And you would think so from Flurry. I don't really expect much out of Gustafson, but, um, yeah, Flurry needs to be better, right? I mean, he was even better with the Hawks. He wasn't this bad with the Hawks, and the Wild are a better team. So something's got to change quick because that's another team that you don't want going down into a deep hole, even though you got to take their losses with a grain of salt because of the teams they faced. I think better things are coming in the future. I couldn't agree more. You hear the phrase regress to the mean a lot of the times, and a lot of the times people use it to describe somebody that's overperforming, like, oh, they'll regress to the meme mm-hmm. and, yep. you know, come back down to earth. That can also work the other way. You could be so bad unexpectedly. And when you regress to the mean, you come back to the mean in a positive way. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of at their mean scoring wise. They're scoring a, the exact amount of goals you would expect the Minnesota Wild to score. The Kirill Kaprizov is off the hook. I love Joel Erickson next game. We know what Matt Zuccarello can do and Matthew Boldy and Rossi plays every, you know, he gets scratched every couple of games. He's a rookie they're trying to develop. But for the most part, their forward group is awesome. And they have guys like Ryan Hartman too. Like just, just uh, Marcus Foligno, good players mm-hmm. over there in Minnesota their defense is also really good on paper. A lot of teams would trade their decor for their decor and it just hasn't looked great for them to start the season. So like I say, when they regress to the mean, I think that means they come a little bit closer to being the average Minnesota wild defenseman, you know, their average, I guess I should say not to make them sound average. They're usually above average, but their average is being like above average. So that's my take on the wild. I do think they'll, get out of it, out of the three teams that are kind of stinking up the joint. They're the one that I see really, really getting out of it. And eventually, yeah, I'm not worried at all. I will say if at the end of October, they're two, eight and two or something like that, I'll be a little worried. I will admit that they like things could go off the hook quickly, even for good teams. Like last year we came into the season thinking the Hawks would, be a pretty good team it looked good on paper they made some good moves tyler johnson seth jones mark andre Fleury, uh taves is back all these things looked good going into last season and then they got off to a slow start and then when they got to being like oh four and oh it's like if they lose one more game this thing's gonna go off the rails yeah. and it did and i worry about that happening to the wild you can't let it happen you need a win soon on the contrary of being terrible. One of the teams that we expected to be in this conversation is the Philadelphia Flyers. They were number one on Vinny Parisi's ranking of teams most likely to land Connor Bedard at the end of the season. John Tortorella makes his Philadelphia Flyers debut after being away from coaching for a little bit. They are now 3-0-0 playing Torts Ball. What do you make of this start for Philly? Well, 
first off, John Tortorella, he, I mean, like him, hate him, whatever you got against him or anybody's got against him. I, I, I think like he's a, I think he's a pretty good coach. He he's he has been a very good coach in the NHL from since I've started watching hockey. And I, I think that and I said I think that this is gonna be a good fit for him in Philadelphia, and it's proving to be. However, I guess you could say as a fan, you're you might not. I don't know if you're happy or not. Because do you want to land Bedard? Because they're not going to go anywhere. They're three and zero. They're not going to go anywhere. Trust me, they're not going to make the playoffs. We're not going to overhype this team. I truly believe that. So it's like, are you going to finish as a below bubble team? You're not a bubble team, but you weren't worst. You're kind of like in limbo there in the middle. Are you going to finish that? That that's bad for them because their future is not very bright. So they need help with this year's upcoming draft or next year's draft, I should say. But Carter Hart, man, he has looked fantastic. They haven't given up more than two goals in a game. He's got a two goals against average. I mean, they went into Tampa Bay and won. And I know Tampa Bay hasn't been playing well, but when you could go into Tampa, I don't care. You're still playing against Stamkos, Vasilevsky, Hedman. I mean, it's still a tough team to beat. I don't care how bad they're slumping. I mean, that that's very, very impressive. But I, I guess they're really not in on the Bedard sweepstakes at this point, or they're the way they're playing because – they're, they've proved that they could win these games, and I, like I said, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but it, they've been scoring as well. They have six players on their team who have at least six that are at least a point per game. So they yeah. played three games, so they, they have six players who at least have three points or a point per game. That's incredible. That's very good. So it's like... I don't know what to make of this team. I don't think they're going to be very well. Like I said, they're going to be like that limbo team. But if you're a fan of the Flyers, do you love it or hate it? I don't know. I would I hate it. Huh? I have a take. Go ahead. It's a spicy one. I still think they suck ass. That's not spicy. I Like, no, like, I don't even think they're a bubble team. Like, I don't either. Like, I, think I just don't think the they're going to finish league. last in the league. No, I don't think they'll finish last in the league. And like what Scott says about not expecting the Hawks to get number one overall, they're not a complete mess. He likes the structure of scheme so far. Yeah, but they don't have enough talent is my problem with the Blackhawks. And that's the same thing for the Flyers. They bought in. They're going to play hard. The Hawks are going to play hard. They bought in. They don't have enough talent. And that, to me, is what will keep them in the mix for number one overall. Now, remember, bottom of the league almost never wins first overall. Almost never. That doesn't mean they won't be in the mix for it. And let's be honest. There's only been one team in the NHL so far this season that has been a complete and utter disaster in every single game, and that's San Jose. Mm -hmm. The Wild had a chance. They couldn't keep the puck out of their own net, but they were scoring like madmen against the Los Angeles Kings in their most recent game. Mm -hmm. So I would say that that game wasn't a complete disaster for them because they scored a lot. It was a step towards winning, but yes, we hope so too, Skokes. But they, the Flyers and the Hawks and the Coyotes, all of them have a win and they all have played okay in certain points of the season. They've all beaten, well, no, the Hawks haven't beaten an elite team yet. The Flyers and Coyotes have, but they, no team is so bad in the NHL where they're like just a lock in mid-October to be the number one overall pick. There's going to be ebbs and flows for every single team. Right now, the Flyers are off to a hot start with their hot-headed coach that a lot of people respect and play hard for. Mm -hmm. And that's the Philadelphia Flyers at this point. But I do believe 
they will be along with San Jose, Chicago, Arizona. I, I don't have a definitive list outside of those four right now. I think those are the four worst teams in the league as of right now. Maybe the Ducks, if they keep up their bad play, but I still think the ceiling's a little bit higher for them because of the talent that's there. But a lot of those teams also don't plan on trading their best player the way that maybe the Sharks do or the Hawks do. Um, the Flyers, uh, JVR, maybe if someone will take them. But the Flyers, they have that goalie. And you brought up Carter Hart, and I'm glad you did because he he's got the potential to be one of the best goalies in the NHL. He was an extremely high draft pick for a reason, for a goalie. And the Flyers got something cooking with him. They That is always a nice base to a pyramid that you build towards winning. Mm-hmm. So that's where I stand on the Flyers. I Yeah, I mean, I don't think – I mean, I think they're bad. They might finish – There there's going to be a team, I think, that finishes below them that we don't – In the NHL standings yeah, or that, in the Metropolitan Division? No, no, in the, in the NHL standings that we don't expect. Like it's just going to be out there. I, I don't know who. I'll just use this in, as an example. I don't think it's going to be this team, but I'm just so you understand what I'm saying. But it's going to be like a Buffalo or somebody that just finishes below them. We're going to be shocked that it happened. I, I think yeah. that. I don't think they're going to be last in the league. But like I said, I they're not going to be a bubble team. They're not going to be worst, but they're going to be kind of like floating in the middle of a bubble in, a, in the worst team. We'll see. Yeah, That makes sense. So let's head on over. About a three-hour drive-ish mm-hmm. from Eastern Pennsylvania to Western Pennsylvania, where Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins are off to what you would just call a typical Pittsburgh Penguin start. Nothing too fancy, nothing too, you know, underwhelming by any means. But Sid the Kid looks like the old Sid the Kid once again. He is on fire. He was the NHL's first star of the week. Yep, last week. Yep, and he's just man. Anybody who ever predicts Crosby to fall off, I would hold on that for a couple more years. This guy, we know he's going to walk into the Hall of Fame. We know he's a Mount Rushmore NHL player, in my opinion. I think he's – you can argue he's the GOAT. I know Wayne Gretzky has more assists than anybody else has points. I'm aware it was a different time, an era adjusted. I think Sidney's right there with Wayne. And, man, I love watching Crosby play. Yeah, he's two point per game player right now in those three games. He's got six points. And coming into the season, we didn't know how their core would look. We didn't know if Crosby would be playing with Malkin or Latang or whatnot. We didn't know how it was going to look. But ultimately, their core has combined for 13 points in those three games. They're clicking. The Pittsburgh Penguins are clicking. Um, I believe with the assist, I don't remember who it was against. It could have been, I think it was against Tampa. The assist, he passed up Phil Housley for 20th on the assist list, and he passed up Doug Gilmore for 19th on the points list. Um, but, yeah, Crosby, the 35-year-old wonder, he, he keeps doing Crosby-like things. And with this core back in Pittsburgh, it's it, it's no question that they're a contender to make the playoffs, so obviously and maybe even a run for the Stanley Cup. But we'll see how the rest of the season goes. But Sid is on a tremendous pace right now. Him and Malkin have both been just sick to start the year. Mm-hmm. And people just keep waiting for them to, like, slow it down a little bit. Guys, you don't just forget how to play hockey. 
Okay, it doesn't just evade you. Like the decline of a player happens over time. Yarimir Yager got 68 points as a 42-year-old. Like, I love when I hear people say, oh, this is the year where Sydney falls off. Oh, this is the year where Malkin can't score 20. Like, what are you – is this your first time ever watching hockey? The great players stay great. They fall off slowly. Like, it doesn't just happen over one offseason where, like, one day in July they become a bad hockey player. That's not how it works. You know, Sydney, he's already started to decline a little bit in a lot of ways. Like, he's not a 120-point scorer anymore. He's not winning the Rocket Richard anymore. They haven't won the Cup since 2017. Like, it's not the same Sidney Crosby that it was six years ago, but he's still one of the 10 best centermen in the NHL. Like, I just – I love when I hear people talk negatively about Crosby and Malkin, and then they just come out the next year, guns a-blazing, and smoke everyone they play pretty much. I mean, not talking the playoffs. The playoffs are a different animal. It's hard to win a seven-game series. They've done plenty of that in their career. You know, I don't hold a couple straight first-round exits against them. They're still Crosby and Malkin. They dummy everyone they play in the regular season. And, man, it's just unbelievable watching them play. It is. It's They're a very talented team. And whenever you talk about Sidney Crosby, it always makes you think of probably one of the great player rivalries in the history of sports. Like player rivalries sometimes create team rivalries. Um, I believe the Penguins and the Capitals will be rivals forever because of the Sidney Crosby versus Alexander Ovechkin matchup that has just entertained the crap out of us for the last 15 years. Um, You think of other player rivalries in sports history like Bird Johnson. Um, you know, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. Now we'll get to that later. Just an absolute amazing rivalry budding in the NFL right now, two elite teams. And it's been the same with the Capitals and the Penguins. So you go over to Washington and you see Alexander Ovechkin already got two goals in three games so far this season. You're really looking like a guy who's going to go out there and have just another magnificent goal scoring season. When he got, I, who did they just recently play where he had the two goals? I don't remember. I know Vancouver, have, right? Oh, it was Vancouver. You're right. It was Vancouver. And when he got – he passed 20 points against the Vancouver Canucks in his career against them. He now has 20 points or more against every single team in the NHL except for the Golden Knights and the Kraken. And the Capitals. And, yeah. Yeah. That don't count. Well, he has zero counts. It kind of counts. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> like, like when teams say like they scored against every team except the team they're on. Yeah. Like, there are a couple guys who have scored on every team. I believe I believe Parisi has scored on every team in the league except the Kraken. He's mm-hmm. got one against the Golden Knights, I believe. I don't think he scored one against the Kraken last year. I might have to triple check that. But like he even has one against the Devils. Mm-hmm. He scored two goals against the Devils, I believe. And he scored one against the Wild with the Devils, luckily. So it, I just love seeing Ovechkin play. He needs, I believe it's 19 more goals to pass Brett Hall for second all time. He should do that this season. And then if he gets in that 40, 50 range this season, and he only needs about 80 more goals over the next three seasons after that to pass Wayno, <laughs> the chase is on. It's coming. Every goal he scores bring maximum excitement to the hockey world. I love Alexander Ovechkin. 
I love Alexander Ovechkin too. I'm gonna be the vibe killer here though, because you know I don't think he's gonna get it. Yeah, you're on blue. He's uh I mean it was sketch. I mean, it took him four games. He's lucky he got two in that game. Otherwise, you're going four games without a goal. That'd be a little sketchy. Right now he's only on pace, he's half a goal a game. That's pace for 41. I don't think he's gonna get 41. I think we're seeing a low 30s year for Ovechkin. Low 30s. If he gets the 41, that puts him at 71 goals to go. Um, which yeah, I still don't see him breaking it because he's not. I don't see him getting 41. I'm seeing 33, maybe a 33 goal year for Ovechkin. And then if you get 33 this year, I don't see you rebounding next year and getting like 40. You're just you're you're in deep trouble. But Frank, you need if to have, goes, even if he does have this glue type of season you're speaking of for him, and he goes 30, 25, 20. Then he'll have one year left on his deal to get like 15 to break Wayne's record. Like, I just don't get why you are so against him getting Wayne Gretzky's record. I, just, I don't when see it. Just, he doesn't, it's not even like slightly crazy to think that he can do it. I, I don't see it. You, you were more, you made more good points when you didn't think Albert Pujols was going to get to 700. You made more, you were more. You were closer to being right on that, even going into it, because like he needed to kind of defy the odds to do it. I was, I believed he would, and he did. But Ovechkin doesn't really have to defy any odds. He's just kind of got to kind of not become a fifteen goal scorer. Like if if the he, way he looked this year though doesn't look good. Like yeah, he had those two goal that two goal game, but besides that, he hasn't looked that great. But he started a couple years where he had like three goals in the first five or six games. And like people say the same thing every time. And don't forget, he did have one down year where he only scored like 32 goals. It was the year Washington missed the playoffs. I can't, I think it was 2013, 14. Um, the the second year the Kings won the cup. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, man. We're just gonna have to agree to disagree on that one and watch it unfold. Because every time Ovechkin scores, you get that notification on your phone. He's gonna pass Brett Hall this season, and then he's got, I believe, it's three more years on his contract after that. And listen, if he if he enters the twenty six seven twenty seven season, needing like ten goals, he's gonna play. Like he's made it very clear that he wants to break this record. I just don't think it's gonna be hard though. I do think he'll get he'll get to within one of tying it, and then he'll go like a week without scoring, and people he'll, they'll call it the Ovechkin slump, kind of like Judge in the final week, like where he's just trying so hard, gripping the stick a little tight. <laughs> but I do think it'll come like in the middle of a season that he's on pace for like 25, 30 goals or something. We'll see. So, it, I'm there's no shortage of excitement around the topic, and I know you're gonna marry this take of yours. <laughs> And you're just going to absolutely sit on top of this hill carrying a knife ready to just jab it through your own head. And like, not, he could score 60 goals this year and you'll still be like, I, like and I respect it. You're going to marry your take. That's my new thing. You're going to marry your take. But you know he's creeping closer and he's not slowing down anytime soon. But you, you never know, man. An injury could come up. Like, you just never know. Yes. And, if and this- I take that into consideration too. Because nobody's injury, like nobody's barred from getting injuries. And no. hockey is a very physical sport, very taxing, you know, it's very tiring. And there's reasons guys only play 30, 40 second shifts. It's just, I, I'm taking that into consideration too. 
I get that. For some reason, though, and knock on wood, I don't want anyone to get hurt, and I'm sure you don't either, but Ovechkin doesn't play a style that should lead to, like, any real injury. If he gets hurt, it'll be a freak accident because he doesn't play. He hits a lot, but he doesn't get hit a lot. And when he has the puck, he's not skating it too often. And mm-hmm. I think that's a lot of times when injury occurs, when guys skate the puck, take an open ice hit. Ovechkin hardly skates the puck. He gets it on a stick and it's on net in 10 seconds, unless it's a breakout, of course. And there are times where that happens, but a lot of his production comes from he, he on the power play. He doesn't even need to be at 100% to rifle that thing the way that he does. Um, I don't know. I, I do think just the way he plays will carry that production for him forward, like kind of like Yager. Yager played late and he didn't rely on his speed, even when he was in his prime. He didn't rely on his speed the way McDavid does or Crosby does or, you know. And I think Patrick Kane will age similarly for the same reason. It's not all about speed with Kane. He's fast, but a lot of his points come from his ability to, like, hand off the puck and Mm -hmm. stick handle. And I don't think that stuff's necessarily going to age too poorly for him. Maybe he'll be half a second behind on his stick handling, which will – make a little bit of a difference, but I don't know. I, I think of the world of Ovechkin. Um, I also think he's just going to grind it out and he's made it very clear that it's his goal to break this record and he's not too far away. So I guess we'll see. We will see. Time will tell. Speaking of injuries though, got a couple right off the bat on the, on the note I have about Schmaltz, Bertuzzi and Murray all having injuries so far to start the season. And those guys are going to be missing for a long time. Obviously, Arizona is going to miss Schmaltz. That'll make them an even worse team than they are because Nick Schmaltz is a very good player. He's scored a lot of points in this game. Uh, Todd Bertuzzi. Um, is No, is it Tyler? Tyler. 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 Todd's, Todd Todd's the, yeah. the old the old Red Wing that used uh-huh. to torment the Hawks. Um, you know, he's a great player for Detroit. I still think they have a lot of – offensively gifted players that'll carry the load for him while he's out and he'll return to a team that's right in the mix. I don't know if they're going to make playoffs or anything like that, but they'll be in the mix. And then of course, Matt Murray, the goaltender for the Toronto Maple Leafs wasn't even really performing all that high of a level, but he's still better than most options that they have. So that's going to hurt the Leafs a lot. But then today we found out some harsh news. I don't even have this on the sheet because it's so fresh that Gabriel Landeskog of the Colorado Avalanche is going to be missing for 12 weeks as a result of a knee surgery that he had today. The defending Stanley Cup champions will be without their captain for the next three months. That's a huge blow, Frank. Yeah, it is, but they're so deep. They're such a talented team, deep team. Like, Are they going to miss him? Yeah, but they might not even notice he's gone just with how talented and how much they perform out there. I mean, this Colorado Avalanche team is just unreal, and their depth is just crazy. And there are so many teams out there that wish they had the depth and talent that the Colorado Avalanche do. So, yeah, Landis got out 12 weeks. He'll be back, but when he's back, you know, the Colorado Avalanche will probably still be leading the division or definitely in a playoff spot by then in three months. I, I don't think it's going to make too much of a difference, if anything. Give him time to rest. He'll be back when he comes back. He'll be fine. Um Todd or Tyler Bertuzzi. Now you got me saying Todd. Yeah, I know. Out four to six weeks with upper body injury with Detroit. That's a that's kind of a big blow for this team. He was Detroit's second leading uh, scorer last year, Um, so that's 
that's kind of rough when you look at them. But then again, I mean, they still got they're they're still got a lot of young talent on their team. Philip Zadina or Zadina, whatever he's gonna fill up, he's gonna fill Bertuzzi's role while he's gone, which he hasn't been too great. So it's not a really good thing for Detroit. Um, he hasn't been performing too well. Nick Schmaltz out six to eight weeks with an upper body injury for the Coyotes. I say that I love Schmaltz, and I say this with so much respect for him. But this, I mean, the Coyote, this really isn't a big injury for the Coyotes. They're not going anywhere. They're like, if they were this playoff team that had potential, like this would be a huge injury because of how talented he is and what he brings to the Coyotes. But they're not. They're not looking to win this year. So it's just like it's just extra time off for Schmaltz. Uh, yeah, you hate to see a guy injured. You don't like anybody injured, especially for two months. But and and Matt Murray out four to week or out uh, four weeks for an abductor adductor injury, which I think is a thigh injury. Um, Samsonov's been playing better, right? I mean, I think he's better anyway. The only thing that's kind of scary is their backup Eric Kalgren. I mean, if if Samsonov gets injured. Then what? Then you're like, now you're in deep trouble for this Maple Leafs team because you still want Matt Murray there as a backup. So, I mean, he'll really have to hold the fort for this next month because obviously, like I said, you want a, a, a decent backup, and I think that's what Matt Murray is, is he's that decent backup. But, yeah, I mean, injuries galore so far, and they're long-term injuries. And like we talked about last week, Cam Talbot's out for the Ottawa Senators. So, yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of injuries, these long-term injuries happening in the NHL so far. Yes, I agree. It's tough because we want to see all these best players playing. Like, I want to see Detroit with Bertuzzi playing. And I know the Coyotes, have they played at home yet, Arizona? I don't think they have. Because I want to see them like in their college rink, playing in the college rink for this season. I have no idea. But, you know, I want them to have a good enough team where people will enjoy going to the games at least. And I want Arizona to thrive. I don't want them to leave Arizona. People always talk about wanting them. I want them to be a good team. The jerseys are sick. Arizona is a great place for sports. I think, you know, it's kind of annoying. I used to think Austin Matthews was for sure going to go back there to his hometown team and play. Now I'm not so certain unless they really turn things around by the time his contract with the Leafs is up. But, man, I want them to be good. And then Matt Murray – the Leafs need a goalie. Are, you know, are they going to make a trade? Who's going to fall off? Who's What teams are going to sell goalies at the deadline? Will they be interested in a Peter Mrazek, who they already had at one point? Will they be interested in a Alex Stalock, who tries to do his best Martin Brodeur impression out there, sliding and slipping all over the place in the blue paint? You know, does, you know, any of Philly's backup goalie become available? Like, there are so many options out there that they can go for, but, you know, they need Murray in the meantime. But Landeskog, I'm not I'm not as confident in you as you as this not being a big loss for them, and I'll tell you why. They won the Stanley Cup, and, yes, they have McCarr and Nechuskin and McKinnon and Rantanen, and Devin Taves is an amazing defenseman. And I just think that a lot of the times when you win the Stanley Cup, it's really hard to grind through that next year and get back. And I think missing their captain for 12 weeks is going to hurt them a little more than I think people realize. Do I think they're going to like fall off and end up missing the playoffs as a result? No. But do I think that will take away from their just absolute dominance? Yeah, I kind of do for a little bit. And maybe they'll prove me wrong and figure it out and 
be equally as dominant without him. But at the same time, like, why do you want a lot of great players on your team then if you really don't need them that much? Like, why why pay Landis Cog all the money that they paid him if they could still be a dominant team without him? I think he does provide enough to that team to make it be like, well, when he's out for 12 weeks, it's a little worrisome. Do I think they're going to fall off? No, because they have the best defenseman ever. And McKinnon's a top five forward overall. And that that's just kind of where I stand on the Landis Cog thing. But the rest of the injuries, I think – I think those teams will be impacted more because they aren't as deep, but I'm already feeling the loss of Landis Cog. I'm not sure Colorado. No, they, they can easily underperform and still win the division. That's how good they are. Like is the central division winner going to be the president's trophy winner this year? I'm not sure. I don't think so, but I don't know. I want the coyotes to be good though. That's basically what I'm getting out of this whole spiel that I had about these four players that are injured. Yeah. 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 Yeah, man. That's it. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Go no, that's, not it. that's not it. That's not it. We got one more player to talk about and highlight here in the first period. And that is Mr. McJesus himself, Connor McDavid. I'm watching this Oilers team play a couple nights ago. I think it was their first game. Who was their first game against? Was it Vancouver? Might have been Vancouver. It was because they came back down 3-0. Yeah, it was Vancouver. They were losing 3-0. And I'm like, wait a minute. This Edmund team doesn't lose 3-0 to Vancouver. That's not how it works. I've been watching hockey long enough to know that McJesus will not be completely denied in this game. They might lose, but they will not go down without a fight. Sure as shit, they come back. McDavid... Just brilliance, absolute brilliance. Leon Dreisaitl, he scores a goal. I'm going to actually take it back to... Uh, McDavid had a hat trick. McDavid did have a hat trick. So they went down 3 nothing. Dreisaitl scores a power play goal, assisted by McDavid for McDavid's first point of the season. And then McDavid, Darnell Nurse ties the game on a shorthanded goal, assisted by Leon Dreisaitl. So it's now a three-point game for Dreisaitl, two-point game for McDavid. Oh, never mind. It's a three-point game for McDavid because he gives them a 4-3 lead. And then he scores the empty net goal thanks to a very unselfish play by Evander Kane to give them the 5-3 victory. And I think I tweeted after the game, we are so privileged to be watching this Edmonton Oilers team with Connor McDavid playing the way that he is. And I'm not sure I've ever seen anything like it, to be honest with you. And I know I praise Crosby more than anybody. Crosby has been more productive up to this point than McDavid. But McDavid technically has been more productive than Crosby to this point in his career. He just hasn't won the Cups and the Conn Smythe trophies and all that type of stuff. But he's got 700 points already. He can't even legally rent a car. <laughs> like, he's going to break 1,000 before he turns 30 and still have a couple months to spare. So, like, how how close to Wayne Gretzky's point total can McDavid get? I don't think he breaks it just because that's, like, astronomically high. Like, he had so many assists. <laughs> and, uh, like, McDavid's never going to break Ovechkin's eventual goal record. And I think that probably separates him as well, the fact that Gretzky did it with goals and assists. But, like, McDavid, he's going to have 1,000 points by 30, and he probably gets to 1,500 points in his career. And I just – I, when I watch him, I'm like, you really are unlike any other human being that ever came before you. So I'd like your take. He was the second star of the week behind Crosby. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, 
right now the Edmonton Oilers open up their season on a six game homestand, right? And we talk about how, you know, Patrick Kane could steal a game for you at any moment. Steven Stamkos could steal a game for you at any moment. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid, they could steal a game for you at any moment. And that's exactly what they did in game one when they faced off against the Vancouver Canucks because they could easily be 0-3 right now because they were down 3-0 in that game. The thing, I mean, we we know McDavid's going to get 100 points. We know how talented he is. He's already more than point per game. We're not worried about that. But the thing is, when they don't perform, the Edmonton Oilers, you can't expect McDavid and Drysdale to carry you every game. I mean, McDavid had four of his six points just in that first game. Then look what happens when he averaged two points in the next two games. They go, they go zero and two the next two games, or one and two on the season, which they could be almost. They could be zero and three, and those games were at home. It's like, yeah, McDavid, amazing, best player in the National Hockey League. Drysdale, amazing, right there up there with McDavid. But then it's like, it's kind of worrisome that after that, it's like. Are you going to expect these guys to win you 40 games, 50 games this year? It's not going to happen. You need other guys to chip in, and it hasn't been the case so far. It hasn't been the case so far, and that's something I got on people for last season. The Oilers are a two-man show. They just got dry side limit. That wasn't true last year. Hyman had 29 goals. Pugliarvi, 20-goal scorer. Ryan Nugent-Hopkins, great player. Almost led the comeback yesterday for Edmonton. They ended up allowing the empty netter, but like all those guys were outstanding last season. Evander Kane came into the mix and was brilliant. Tyson Berry, Darnell Nurse, um, Evan Bouchard. They were getting okay goaltending from a thousand year old Mike Smith in the regular season last year. Like it all came together for the Edmonton Oilers last year. And it, uh, Yamamoto was a really good player. Um, it wasn't just McDavid and dry last year. It has been this season so far. Mm-hmm. And if some of those guys can get their, you know, heads out of their ass going forward. I do believe Edmonton will climb out of it. I don't believe there is only McDavid and Dreisaitl on that team. I believe in Pugliarvi. I believe in Yamamoto, Kane, Barry, Bouchard. Um, Maybe it's hard without the leadership of Duncan Keith in the locker room. I don't know. Could be. But, I mean, got to admit, (laughs) McDavid's pretty sweet to watch. Yeah, but it's just worrisome, you know? Yes, they are one, two, and two. You know what I've noticed, though? There are a lot of teams in the Western Conference that have played three games or less. The Blues have only played one. I know. And the Sharks have played five. Yeah. That, that is strange. And they've lost all five. Yeah. That, that's a tough hole to dig out of. They've lost all five in regulation. I mean, I didn't think they'd be good, but not that bad. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, like, in the you look at their roster, though, like – Every team has five good players, right? Every single team. Every single team, including the Coyotes. And the Sharks, their five players, though, have made deep playoff runs. Timo Meyer, Logan Couture, um, Eric Carlson, Mark Edward Vlasic. Um, there was one other I had in my head that I lost. Oh, Tomas Hurdle. Like, they got good players on that team, but like I said, every team in the league has at least five good players mm-hmm. that you can point to and say, you're good, you're good, you're good. Mm-hmm. And, and it's the rest of the team being really good that you know gets you into the playoffs or doesn't. Like Even if you look at the Coyotes, you can point to certain players, Nick Schmaltz being one of them, that, hey, these guys are good, like Lawson Krause. Everybody thinks he's a pretty good player. But, you know, what's up, Travis? How we doing? Thank you for joining the show. 
Um, talking about Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers. Um, and the lack of depth there. So there are five undefeated teams now. The Blues, Flames, Stars, Philly, Carolina. Who stays undefeated last? Same again. Carolina, Philly, Dallas, Calgary, Blues. Carolina. You're saying that without even knowing who they're playing. Wow, what a bold boy you are. Who what do a they bold, play? bold boy. Oh, I don't know. I thought I thought that was gonna be what you say though. Like who plays who when. No, I'm gonna go Carolina. Okay, okay, okay. I'm gonna go with the Blues. They've only played one game. Their next game's against the Kraken tonight. I know. I th- I think they lose tonight. T E N T. Why I think they lose tonight? So do I. They're in Florida. They're in Florida. Who? <laughs> they stink too. They'll be a bubble team, but man, they had everything going for them, and then they traded everything to get like Giroux and Kachuk. Like I just can't believe the kid draft capital they've given up in the last two years. Like what? Tough. Is and now Ekblad out for a long time due to injury. We forgot to bring him up when talking about injuries. I forgot about that because the report was Ekblad hurt, but he is not going to be hurt long enough for them to like put him on LTIR mm-hmm. and make a trade for somebody to come in and replace him. But he's going to be out long enough where like you're going to miss having someone of that type of production. Right. So – you know who would be a good fit in Florida? I hate his guts more than anything. <laughs> I hate his guts more than anything. But Tony D'Angelo. Oh. Tony D'Angelo would be a good fit in Florida with a purely hockey point of view. And I guess <laughs> the way he acts off the ice kind of would fit in Florida too, if we're being honest with each other, <laughs> if you know what I mean. But, you know, it is what it is. Philly versus Florida tonight. Winnipeg versus Colorado. St. Louis versus the Kraken on a light three-game NHL schedule on this bar down Wednesday. Frank, I know you've been itching to talk about your favorite team for the entire first hour of this show. We are going to do that for you in period number two. Welcome to period two, where me and Frankie are going to break down what has been kind of the tale of two teams between the Chicago Blackhawks and the New Jersey Devils. If you are a fan of a team that is not one of these two teams and is not one of the teams that we kind of discussed in depth in the first period, put it in the comments right now and we will get to it. Frank, the Chicago Blackhawks, what have you seen? Lay it all out there. Well, kind of got a lot to say. We'll see. The Blackhawks are what everybody expected. They're one and two. Nobody expected them to beat Colorado, right? You know, I mean, even though, you know, you're raising the banner, but at the end of the day, it's still Colorado and still Chicago. They got the tough loss there. They were dominated five to two. I mean, you know, predictable, right? Game two, you play the Vegas Golden Knights. Think it's going to be another dominant performance by the Knights. It's not. Blackhawks play good defensively. Both goalies play very well. And the Hawks lose a close game one to nothing. Then you go to game three, and you're playing the Sharks. You're like, well, this, this is a game that the Hawks could win. Sure as shit, they dominate the San Jose Sharks. They win 5-2. to two. Sharks look terrible. Hawks looked pretty good that game. Um, but 
And a big part of the reason why the Hawks won that game was Sam Lafferty had two shorthanded goals in a span of like two and a half minutes. It wasn't even that long. I thought it was on the same power play, but no, it wasn't. Uh, it was like the power play right after. It was so close. Um, and he actually leads the team in scoring right now, which is a bit of concern. I wasn't going to expect Lafferty to come in and leave the Chicago Blackhawks in scoring. Um, Jonathan Taves has two goals. He looks a little bit rejuvenated. I like the way he played in preseason. Um, I said that he looked a little bit better. You know, last year he came back, but he came back off after taking a year off from that, uh, what is the autoimmune disease that he had, right? Wasn't it? Did he have autoimmune, yep. right? Autoimmune disease. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, that's tough to take a year away from hockey, come back and everybody expect you to be Jonathan Taves, right? He only has two goals this year, but even though the Hawks aren't expected to perform that well, I mean, he still looks good. I really like the way Jonathan Taves has been playing. It's almost like that he's like more rejuvenated this year. I don't know. Taylor Radish has looked good or yeah. Taylor Radish has looked good. He's got two points like the way he played last year. I was glad that the Hawks got him from the Tampa Bay lightning. Uh, I, I like the way he's played. Like I said, they're just trying to fill spots here on this team. So we're just running through the motions. However, one guy that the Hawks got who I really like VP is Jason Dickerson. They made that trade um, for Stillman with the lightning. Um, was it the Lightning? I'm so confused. I'm pretty sure it was with the Lightning, right? Or was it with the Rangers? No, I don't think it was the Lightning. It wasn't the Rangers either. Now I'm drawing. Now I thought confused. it was a blue team. Was it the Canucks? Oh, it might have been the Canucks. Yeah, it was the Canucks, right? Hold on. Anyway, you, while you look that up, he's looked great with the Hawks. He had 11 points last season, Dickerson. And his career high is 22 points with Dallas in the 2018-2019 season. And he's already got three points this year. I don't want to jump the gun and say, like, he's the next best thing since sliced bread. But he's definitely performing better on this team than Stillman was. And, you know, some teams are like – or some players are like that. You need to change uh, the change of pace, change of scenery. And I think he's a great fit here. And I think the Blackhawks won that trade, even though it's very early on and you don't like to jump the gun. I think the Hawks won that trade. But the one thing that's been very surprising for me for the Hawks this year is that Patrick Kane only has one point. Buddy, wake up. Hello, you there? I mean, what's going on? I expect them to lead the team in scoring, and he very might well, obviously. It's very early. I mean, he could have a three-point night, a two-point night, hat trick here and there. But it's very surprising to see that the other night when the Hawks had five goals, he didn't contribute to any of them. That That's bad. But it's also very good because it proves that you're able to put the puck in the net without Patrick Kane. So that that's some bright spots you like to see, that you don't need Kane. You don't need Taves. But you're still scoring at will because you got these young guys on your team. The goaltending here in Chicago stinks. That's is what we expected. Not really expecting much out of the goaltending. It stinks terrible. Um, I don't like the smell of it. Luke Richardson got his first win as a head coach of the Blackhawks. That was nice to see. And this team right now has the power to give players a lot of opportunity because they're just trying to fill the role. We're just trying to go through the motions, you know, fill a team up, put some goalies in the net, see what you could do, give players opportunity. And that's exactly what we're seeing so far. So nothing so far through the first three game for the, through the first three games, that's out of the ordinary, I would say. I didn't expect them to just go 0-82. They're going to get wins here and there. They're going to beat teams they shouldn't beat. They're going to lose to teams they shouldn't lose to, like the Sharks. If the, when they play the Sharks again, they might lose, and maybe that's a game they shouldn't lose. But um, 
especially if they're at home against the Sharks or they're home against the Coyotes or the Flyers and whatnot. I mean, this team is exactly what I expected as them so far. Besides the fact that Patrick Kane is only have one point, I thought that would have been a little bit different. But other than that, I like what I'm seeing from from some of the young guns. Um, I like what I've seen from Richardson so far. And, uh, yeah, that, that's what I got for you. A long-winded answer. Long-winded answer indeed that I took some notes on, and I'm going to break down my opinion of everything you just said. I agree with a lot of what you said, pretty much everything. They have clearly bought into what Luke Richardson and the team is trying to do. Um, Jason Dickinson is 27 years old. Is it Dickinson? Dickerson? Dickinson? Dickinson, yeah. Oh, I... Like, never mind. (laughs) But if he's 27 years old, if they kept Stillman, he's not much younger than that. He's not part of the future either. Right. Neither team wins the trade based on the player they got because neither of them is going to help them in the long term. They might be good players to fill a role and play well now and help out guys like Lafferty and stuff like that, like Dickinson and Lafferty both combined for those two shorthanded goals. Dickinson assisted on both of them, or he scored both of them, and Lafferty assisted on both of them. But the point is they combined for those two. They're killing penalties together. That helps the rest of the team. That's That fills a role while some of these guys marinate in the minor leagues. You know, th- those guys yeah. serve a purpose. Where the Hawks really win that trade, is the fact that they got a second round pick back from Vancouver with Dickinson in exchange for Stillman. Now they can try and draft a good player that will hopefully join their organization and become an impact player in a very good 2024 uh, draft. It's not the 23 draft, it's the 24, but the 24 draft is supposed to be pretty good too. I don't think it's quite the level of 23. It'll probably be more like 22, which was pretty good, but not quite like 23. 23 is a monster. 23 might be like 15 where the 2015 NHL draft just pumped out like sick player after sick player. And let's not forget, I forgot to mention this good thing. Cause you brought up the, their draft picks. They have two first round, second round and third round draft picks for this year and next year's, draft. which is incredible. Yeah. And guess what? They're going to add more to that. They're trading. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't agree they're, with that. They're going to trade Patrick Kane. His, his agent came out and told Pierre Lebrun yesterday. There's an article about it on thewindycity.com that you can all go read it right now. His agent told them that they are treating it exactly the way that they treated the Claude Giroux deal last year. And Brisson, who is Patrick Kane's agent, is also Giroux's agent. And they waited it out last year. And when the time was right, they pulled the trigger on a trade where Blackhawks fans need Patrick Kane to start showing up is so that they can get more bang for their buck when they do trade him. And they will get a first round pick out of it as long as he starts to produce and do all that kind of stuff. The Blackhawks are in good shape. I think they're in better shape than they've been in three years. They got some good you know, veterans that can fill roles over the next couple of years, just kind of like be a warm body that can eat some minutes and do stuff like that on the NHL team while they have guys like Korchinski down in the in the uh, CHL now doing his thing. Nazar playing college hockey. The, all sorts of draft picks playing in the AHL now. We saw what Lucas Reichel can do and sending down people like that. You know, hopefully Soderblom has a good year with the Rockford Ice Hogs. We'll see what happens with Drew Comesso when he's done in college. So 
I like what I'm seeing from them. I do believe they'll be huge sellers at the trade deadline. If Dickinson does have seven or eight goals and a lot of them creating shorthanded opportunities for their teams, will a team like the New York Rangers or the Colorado Avalanche or Tampa Bay Lightning, a lot of these teams that are fighting for a playoff spot, will they give up a third round pick? for a pretty good penalty killer. I think that will absolutely help the Hawks in many ways. It will help them by giving them more draft capital. It will also help them by taking stuff away from their NHL team so they could start plugging in some of these young guys that might lead to a couple more losses, but more development. The more losses will increase their draft stock and their potential to win the lottery. There's a lot of good coming with this Blackhawks team right now. I was happy to see them get their first win against the San Jose Sharks because you never want to keep the winless streak going. You never want to go seven or eight games without getting a win. You want the guys to feel good about themselves. But I would like the wins to come once every three or four games so that way they do kind of get in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. And Taves is on a freaking mission right now to go out there and be the best player that he could be. So if they find a suitor for him, he could go be a guy who wins some face-offs and scores some big goals with playoff experience, stuff like that. I don't think it's possible to trade Jones right now. I mean, that is just, that's tough. But if somebody, uh, I would trade him for a seventh round pick. If someone was willing to take, I'm that dead serious about it. He's a very good player. I'm not taking anything away from Seth Jones, but this team is building. I like what they're building. They got a long way to go. But I'm intrigued by this start by them so far. I like what I've seen. I want Patrick Kane to, you know, get on a hot streak. Go make go make other teams drool over you where they offer the Hawks an A-plus prospect and a first-round pick for you. Like, oh, if, if we're the Colorado Avalanche, we're not going to have Landeskog for three months. We could go on... LTIR and we could put Kane and then we'll figure out the the salary cap later. We don't have Kadri anymore. That was a contract off the books. They didn't necessarily replace him with a high money contract in the offseason. Like there are lots of opportunity out there. The Hawks can they have one more spot on their team to retain. I, I don't know if most people don't know this. You can only retain on X amount of contracts in the league, and the Hawks have one left. And I think that one spot left open was done on purpose. We'll just see if who's willing to take what on who. But, man, I'm intrigued by this start, and I think you had a great breakdown of it. I I agree that the goaltending stinks, even though Stalock had the one good game against <laughs> Vegas. And, he, like I said, he does his best Marty Brodeur impersonation by rolling around in the paint <laughs> and stacking the pads. He doesn't just a good game. It was a great game. He... He's an untraditional goalie for the modern day. He would have been, he would have thrived in the early nineties when Brodeur was first coming along. Cause Brodeur was kind of like that last elite goalie that didn't like just kind of stand there. Like Stalock doesn't just stand there and wait yeah. for the play to come to him. He he's very active in the blue paint. So that's what I got on the Hawks. I have a good breakdown for the Chicago Blackhawks. Before you go any further, I have to address this comment. Cause this is the funniest thing I've probably seen. Skokes got the Curter burger and they didn't put the curd on the burger. That's like when Joey got a chicken sandwich from Arby's and they didn't put the chicken on the sandwich. This is just hilarious. I just want to know if that Culver's is still intact. Like because you go I there, that's the biggest part of the burger is the curd. If I was Skokes, I would have burned it down. <laughs> 
I mean, you order the Kerner burger, you're excited to try something new, and they forget to put the most important piece, because otherwise it's just the damn hamburger. I would have cried. I, I legitimately think I would have cried. Skokes, my man, I need to know the end of this story. Did you go back and get... I would have went back one Kerner. million percent. I, I would have walked back if I had to. He was heated. Um, he was heated. But, I mean, but I need to know if you went back. Heated. A lot. Lots of people get heated. There's where you like normal people heated, or where you Vinnie Parisi level heated. Like, because at the end of the know. day, it's just the cheeseburger, a hamburger. Then, do they yeah. put cheese on it, or is it just the curd? Is the no, cheese? No, the, the curd is the cheese. So it's a but, damn hamburger, then. <laughs> yeah, which you don't need a slice of cheese on it. I do stand by that. But oh no, go back. Skokes. I would have went back. I don't care if I was home already. I'm getting back in the car, going there, getting my damn cheese curd, maybe another one for free. Yeah. I mean, you got to go back. It, I got it. And it, listen, F that Calvert, Culver's for fucking up your shit. But I'll tell you right now, let bygones be bygones and go give it another try if you can. Tell them, hey, make sure you put my fucking curd on my curd burger, you assholes. Ooh, I'm getting heated. I'm swearing just thinking about that kind of colossal. Now, now Skokes, I do want to know. On the receipt, did it say Curter Burger? Or did they like not realize that they were supposed to make a Curter Burger and they like put down like hamburger, Culver Burger, Butter Burger? Or did it say like you paid for a Curter Burger and they forgot the curd? Yeah. That's I'll never actually, forget. Huh? That's actually a really good question. Yeah, that that's looks fantastic. Burger. I mean, it is literally a patty size. It's actually a bigger cheese curd than I thought. Because, like, I'm maybe he, not dead. Like, maybe he said, like, yeah, I want the curd burger, but they didn't realize and they marked down hamburger and they didn't like forget the curd. But if they like, if you got the receipt and it said curd burger, that's just devastating. It reminds me when Joey had ordered an Arby's chicken sandwich and didn't get the chicken. It was just lettuce, onion, <laughs> cheese. Yeah, I used bread. to work. Before this, I used to work at Panera, as everybody knows, and it's kind of like a joke oh, that I no. say it a lot. But like, I've made mistakes when you're making sandwiches and stuff. Everybody makes mistakes. You put onions on a sandwich that somebody really didn't want onions, stuff like that. But like, there are some things where I'm just like, I don't think it's possible that that would have happened to me. And forgetting to put the chicken on a chicken sandwich is one of those <laughs> things. Like, I just don't, that just makes no sense to me. Skoke says it did say Curter Burger and they forgot to put it. That's a heartbreaker. Yeah, yeah for sure. You got to do something about that, Skokes. Like, you got to go try this thing. Make sure it's hot. I kind of want that now for dinner, but I know that's, I'm not having it. That's your homework for this week. Next Wednesday, when you're back here talking to us, I want to know your review on an actual Curter Burger. Yeah, only 12 days left to get it. Halloween's the last day. I legit exactly. kind of want to get one for lunch on Halloween. I know I'll be, we'll, we'll probably be eating chili for dinner on Halloween. But I'm not certain about lunch. I think that has to be a Curter Burger kind of day, don't you? Yeah, I need to try it first. I want to try it before then. Yeah, 100%. So, Frank, I kind of want to get to the New Jersey Devils a little bit here. The Devils are kind of the opposite of every other 1-2-0 and team. I'm not mad. I'm not. Mm-hmm. They dominated each of their first two losses. I kept tweeting it. It's not like the last couple of years where they would lose and just get killed. They lost both games 5-2. to two. One game had an empty netter. They were the team that dominated the whole game. The puck was always in the opponent's end. And the goalies would make every single save. And then one rush would go the other way and it would go in the net. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, 
you really got outshot 39 to 22 or you really outshot them 39 to 22 and you lost are, are you shitting me right now and jack hughes jesper bratt he sure uh sharon govich palat all these guys crazy good chances kept getting robbed by nadelkovic and uh carter hart who to their credit played very well they deserved you know the goalies part of the team too you got to beat the goalie so I wrote a piece for BucksAndPitchforks.com where I'm like, you can't just play well. That's not how sports work. You can dominate a game and still lose. Mm-hmm. The goalie is part of the team. You have to beat the goalie. It's not enough to just get a bunch of pretty chances stuffed by the goalie. You have to score. They come out against the Anaheim Ducks. Jakob Silferberg, who had five goals last season, five, mm-hmm. had two goals in the first period to give the Ducks a two to nothing lead, which about halved his goal total from all of last year. And it's not like he played a short amount. Of, I'm pretty sure he played like 60 something. He didn't play a full season, like 82 games, but he was in the late 50s, early 60s in games played. Silferberg's had some big seasons in the NHL. For him to come down to five last year, is tough. Well, he's got two already this year, so you'd think he bounces back from five, become a 20-goal scorer again. Maybe I'm rooting for him, but not against the Devils, pal. You ain't got to be doing that. Unfortunately, though, he did. Devils down 2 nothing. They're staring at 0-3-0, and they were out shooting the Ducks 12-4 to in the first period. And I'm like, are you kidding me? 12-4, to two of them went in? Two of the four went in. You're out playing them that bad and you're losing yeah. again by two i'm like they're really going to be oh three and oh and like then you, you're oh three if you're oh three and oh and you're dominating all three games you're going to stop dominating all three every game going forward like it's slowly but surely gonna guys are going to start gripping their sticks too hard it's going to fall off the rails quick it's the snowball and then the man with the plan lil jizzy jack hughes Skates through the neutral zone. He finds Graves. Graves shoots the puck on net. Andre Palat scores his first goal as a New Jersey Devil on the rebound. It was a nice play by Hughes. It was a gritty way to get to the net and bury a rebound. Grimy, stinky, nasty goals. They all look like beautiful, sweet bow dangles on the score sheet. It is now 2-1 to Ducks. Jack Hughes made the big play that was needed. He's made a bunch of big plays that kept getting stoned. This one finally went in. You're thinking to yourself, is this where the floodgates open? Just a couple minutes later, the Devils find themselves low in the Anaheim Duck zone, and Nico Heischer scores his first goal of the season. It's only his second game. He missed the first game of the season. Um, he ties the game at two. Okay, Heischer's on the board. Hughes still doesn't have a goal yet. But he finally got his first point. He's looking real nice. He's looked real nice in all three games. He could easily have seven points. So Hughes and Heesher help lead the Devils to get the game tied. Then Jesper Bratt comes down the ice. Also, this is also assisted by Heesher. He got the secondary assist. So Nico's up to two points. Bratt finds Dougie Hamilton on the back door. Three, two Devils. Okay, they finally have a lead in the third period for the first time this season. The Devils are rolling. You can't let Anaheim tie it or you are cooked. 
<laughs> what do they do? Sharon Govich makes a nice play after Jack Hughes made an incredible play to keep the puck in the zone and keep the play alive. He gets the secondary assist, find Dawson Mercer in front of the net. He does not miss top cheese. Devils win four to two. It was the type of game where their best players, Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer, each had two points. Bradder had a point. Hamilton scored a goal. Mercer scored a goal. These are all the guys who are supposed to be leading this Devils team, and they finally allowed the floodgates to open. Blackwood calmed down after a stinky first period. He made a save later in the game on Adam Henrique where it kind of snuck through his pads a little bit, and then he kind of got his back leg on it, and then ended up hitting the post. If that goes in and it's 3 nothing Ducks, Blackwood's confidence remains shaken. The team's confidence remains shaken. Yeah. He locked it in from there, made some huge saves down the stretch, and the Devils won. I'm hoping that this is the Devils we see going forward. They're not going to win every game. They're not even – I hope they win a majority of their games. But if they keep playing the way that they did in the first three games, they'll win a lot of games this season and they'll get better results. The puck has to go in the net, though. Like I said, it's not enough – to just constantly play well and look the part. You have to act the part too. And yesterday they did. And I'm very encouraged that he sure and Hughes led the charge. Um, I'm hoping for an 80 plus point season from each of them. I'm being dead serious with this stuff and they're on pace to do so. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. So they had that tough loss to Philadelphia. That That's a heartbreaker. You, yep. It's a game you don't want to lose, especially five to two. Um, then you got the nice win against Anaheim, which that helps, obviously. The thing I want to see a little bit more of it, I think Jesper Brett, he needs to bury the puck. I know he's chipping in. He's got five assists, but you got to bury the puck, brother. Like, come yeah. on. You you really just – that's what I want to see from him. It's good that he's chipping in with the assists, but you'd still like to see the guy bury one, gain his confidence a little bit, and I think that will really help the Devils out big. Also, Jack Hughes and uh, Nico, you'd like to see them perform a little bit more in terms of getting on the point total. Uh, In in terms of what I've seen, I thought they'd have a little bit better of a start in terms of points. I thought they'd – I don't even – I think they're – how many games did the Devils played? Three? Three. I don't even know if they're point per game. I think Hughes has two points. He shares point per game because he only played in two. Yeah, and Hughes, it's like – the ceiling for Hughes is so high and I have a lot of um, high hopes for Hughes. I just like to see him get on the score sheet a little bit better too, because the thing that scares me in this was scared me last year was goaltending. And while Blackwood may have looked good and, you know, he had that crazy save or whatever in the four, two win against Anaheim. I mean, at the end of the day, he's still got an eight sixty four save percentage, which is terrible. I mean, that can't happen. And then Vanacek has a 773 save percentage and the five goals against. It's like this Devils team could be good, right? We both have them making the playoffs. And even though they haven't been winning games, I mean, they still looked decent. They look pretty good, like you said. But the goaltending is what still scares me. It's like I'm not for certain that Blackwood here is the answer. I'm just not. I thought Vanacek would come in. Maybe they need to give him a little bit more of time playing. Maybe they need to make him the starter right now and see what happens. Right? He had that one bad game. He gave up five goals. Okay, we'll put that in the rear view. Let's put him in the net and let's see what he could do. Just switch it up. There's no harm in that. Right? So I don't know. 
I think if this Devils team had a consistent goalie that was you, you can count on this man every night because I can't count on Blackwood or Vanacek right now. I can't until they prove me wrong. But if they had somebody consistent in the net, I think this would be the playoff team that we think they would be. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. And everything you said about Hughes and Heischer, they again, they've looked the part. The goalies made saves. There was a play yesterday mm-hmm. where he sure found Wood, Miles Wood, and he just shot it right at the goalie. I'm like, if that was a sniper and the puck goes in the net, that's an extra point for he sure. Like, there, there have been things like that so far, and I think that's that's part of being on a young, growing team. But I, I'm confident with the way they're going so far. There's this guy on Devil's Twitter. He writes for his own blog called Infernal Access. His name is Todd Cordell. He covers mm-hmm. the Devils. He comes up with these charts that total these things called shot contributions. And shot contributions are either a shot or a shot assist. And what a shot assist is, is when a player makes a pass or something that leads to a shot on goal. So if Taves passes it to Kane and Kane shoots it, Mm -hmm. and either it goes in the net or the goalie makes the save, Taves would get a shot assist. Kane would get a shot. But it has to be a shot on goal. Yeah. It's either a goal or a save by the goalie. And so Taves and Kane would each get a shot contribution. Kane would get the shot attempt. Taves would get the shot assist. Jack Hughes had 17 shot contributions. Wow. Yesterday. Um. What's 17 minus 5? 12. 12. 12 of them were shot assists. Wow. He made a play that led to somebody else getting a shot on net. He sure was second on the team with a very respectable That's a 11. Lot. He sure had 11. That's crazy. It's not 17. So I think the world of these two players. And as the players around them get better, Brat will bury some goals. He's not going to be like a heavy goal scorer. Brat is an assist man, always has been. But I like what I'm seeing from this team. It, it's the best Devils team in a couple of years, I think. And I don't think there's anything to worry about right now, right? You could still, and I think this is a common misconception for just casual fans, is that you could look good and still lose games. Yes. And that's what we're seeing right now. Just like the Hawks look good in preseason, and I like the way they were, but they were still losing games. But that that's common in sports. And I don't think a lot of people understand that. And that's what we're seeing from the Devils right now. I just think they need to upgrade goaltending. If they want to be that contender for the Stanley Cup in the coming years, they're not going to win a cup with Blackwood. It's just not going to happen. I don't think so, my opinion. It's a fair assumption right now. I hope he proves you and me wrong because I don't see how they're going to upgrade anytime soon unless they make like a sick trade or they got one of the three big goalies in last year's draft. Mm -hmm. They were one of the teams – there were three goalies. I'm drawing blanks on all three of their names right now. I would have had them easy money back in June when we were study, studying the draft. But they got one of the big three, and we'll see what happens. But for right now, I just want to see them develop the forwards. I, the wins and losses, yeah, I hope they make the playoffs. But I want to see Jack Hughes play like he did yesterday. I want to see Nico Heischer play like he did yesterday. Um, it was the type of game where like you want both of those guys on your fantasy team. And I believe Heischer is a free agent in both of my leagues that I'm in. I want him to be a guy that like people have to have on their team. Hughes already is. 
Hughes is on, I think I have Hughes. Or no, I don't have Hughes in that league. I have Hughes in another league. But, you know, that's my stance on the Devils. I have liked what I've seen. They got the Islanders tomorrow night and then that bad San Jose Sharks team Saturday during the day. So, yeah. If the Sharks beat the Devils and the Sharks get like three or four goals, do they got something to worry about then? I think they could win these next two games. Yeah, I do too. They they should have beaten Philly. I mean, Philly's 3-0-0. They beat Tampa. And Detroit hasn't lost. Or no, Detroit has one loss. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's not like they lost to teams that are no BS right now. And they beat Anaheim. They should. Anaheim had a tough 6-4 to four loss to the Rangers the night before. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see what happens with the Islanders. The Islanders, like the Rangers, have an elite goalie. We'll see who they start. But then against San Jose at home, I'd, That's like a must win. I'd like to see them get a big win there. Those are the wins that come back and haunt you at the end of the year because you never know if you could use those extra two points later in the season. Yeah, and two points very could be the difference in making the playoff for a lot of these teams this mm-hmm. season. I don't think it's going to be like last year where the top eight in the East are decided by Groundhog Day by any means. It was kind of like that last year. Me and you had a discussion whether or not we liked it. Mm-hmm. If you're a fan of one of those teams, I guess you like it. <laughs> but that's that. So, Frank, that is the start of the NHL season. We have one more hockey topic to get to, and we will get to that hockey topic in period number three. Welcome to period three, known as the BS period here at Bar Down Talking Hockey of the Barroom Network. Frank. We kind of started this trend last year where we went through and talked about our favorite hockey story of the week. Mm-hmm. And I lead off with you, Frank Mueller, on your one-year anniversary of being a full-time member of this podcast. What is your favorite current hockey story? Well, there has been a lot of talk about the NHL salary cap. And for the 2023-2024 season, the salary cap could rise $4 million, right? But it all depends on if the escrow debt from the NHL that the NHL players owe, the league is paid off by them. Play, paid off by them. Now, Gary Bettman said that, I mean, there's a very good chance that it is, but there's no guarantee. This year, the NHL salary cap is $82.5 million, which is up $1 million from the previous three years. Um, but if the escrow debt debt is not paid off this year, the cap would go up a million next year and 4 million in 2024 and 2025. Now, why am I bringing this up? Well, Austin Matthews becomes a free agent at the end of 2023, 2024. And if the, if it does indeed go up 4 million um, in 2023, 2024, maybe the Hawks have extra money, even more to make an offer, right? We talked to tab and tab thought that the Hawks were contenders for him. So, I mean, that extra $4 million can make a difference. And not only that, but the extra $4 million makes a whole lot of difference and a whole lot of opportunities for just about every team there is. But um, that extra $4 million would be huge for the Blackhawks if it turns out to be true. I love that. It'll be huge for every team. I'm excited. I hope it does go up. The more good players on good teams, the better in the league. And I think that clearly shows that the league is starting to officially come out of the COVID-19 pandemic that caused the salary cap to remain the same for three straight seasons after it had gone up for like six straight seasons following the lockout in 2013. So I'm excited about this news. I was excited to hear some of the stuff that Gary Bettman had to say about the league um, yesterday. He's confident. 
Yeah. And listen, a lot of people hate Gary Bettman. The NHL is where it is today because of Gary Bettman. It's fun to boo him. It's more tongue-in-cheek than anything at this point. Most people who boo in the crowds anyway have no <laughs> freaking clue why he's getting booed. It's a lot of the meatballs that just, oh, there's Gary Bettman, boo! Like, no, Gary Bettman has implemented winter classics and gotten hockey grown across the world. Listen, is he a little dorky business lawyer? Of course he is. But at the same time, the NHL is where it is today because of him. And listen, all four commissioners are trash in a lot of ways. They're just politicians trying to grow their business and at the end of the day have an increased bottom line from the year before. That's called running a business. If I had to rank the four commissioners, I would put Batman second. So would I. You're, I would you're reading my mind. It, it would I go think Adam Silver's it the would best. Go Adam Silver, Gary Batman, Roger Goodell, Rob Manfred. Yeah, that, that, that would be my four. Yep. And Manfred had a chance to like be number one, no doubt. But the way he handled the Houston Astros <laughs> is fucking asinine. And the way he handled COVID-19 is fucking asinine. The MLB went into a lockout during COVID and they were missing games in June and July of that year when they could have been playing because of money. It wasn't because of the pandemic. Every other sport missed games because of the pandemic. Here's the MLB's chance to be the first sport to come back. And they waited till basically football season to come back. What a bunch of dummies they are. And then, of course, the, there was a lockout three years later in 2021-22. So F Rob Manfred for life. I also hate him for a variety of other reasons. But, yeah, he blows. Um, but Gary Bettman, I like your sentiment on the salary cap. I have my personal story, and then I have one that we could kind of discuss really quickly together. My personal story is A.J. Greer of the Boston Bruins. He's got five points in the Bruins' first four games after being like a, a plug on the AHL Utica Comets than the New Jersey Devils organization last year. I'm so happy to see A.J. Greer be in Boston's lineup right now and score some big goals and contribute in high-leverage situations. I believe only Pasternak and... Bergeron have more points on the Bruins right now than him like he's fit in so great playing there and he's only 25 years old he's not like he's a 30 year old rookie or anything like that but you know he's had a couple years he was drafted by Colorado played in their organization for three years played nine games with the Devils last year mostly spent with the Utica Comets now he's with the Bruins do I think he's going to be a point per game player all season long absolutely <laughs> not he'll be lucky to crack 30 but the start to the season is really nice for him. It's something he will never forget. He already surpassed his career high of three points by getting to five as he is right now. So congrats to AJ Greer on a great start to the season. Um, hopefully Joey Parisi watches this at some point so he can realize, because I know he's been enjoying AJ Greer's performance throughout the season. And then the other hockey story that I wanted to kind of, bring you know forward to you is the fact that these reverse retros are about to come out i do believe they're going to be announced today all 30 teams released a little 20 second video at about eight o'clock this morning and now as of six minutes ago all 32 i said 30 teams i'm still stuck in 2016 all 32 teams have released another teaser trailer for each jersey and they kind of black out the middle of it but you could kind of tell like the shading of each one now but these are coming today and the end of the video ends again by saying coming soon what is your ideal blackhawks reverse retro is there any team you're most excited for seeing what they go for with this year oh 
I'm interested as far as any other team, I'm interested to see what Vegas does. I think Vegas has a lot of potential for their reverse retro. Yeah, even though they don't have any retro jerseys to reverse. I know. It, that's what makes it cool though. Exactly. They come up with whatever the fuck they want. The possible them and Seattle, really. Yeah, why well, literally that's funny you bring up Seattle. They're the video on my Twitter right now of the standby, like history never repeats. And then they show like this little 30 second video of like you see how it's like blacked out with the light yeah. flashing on the I, I like that really a lot. Cool stuff. Yes, yes, Seattle. Go ahead. Um as far as the Hawks, what would I like to see? I haven't really thought about it, to be honest with you. I would I like to see the Hawks a, while you think. I, know, I, I would like to see a Hawks jersey with more green in it. A Ooh, little more green. That would be cool. I now, think that so would be pretty cool. It kind of seems like you're thinking that they're going to get away from just reversing old school jerseys, though, because that's what it was in 2020 for every well, team. I could day. say black, but I mean, come on, you would assume that it's going to somewhat be a black jersey, right? Because like, well, their their video implies. That I didn't watch the video, black. so I don't know. Huh? Their video implies that it's going to be black and red. Right, and that's that's like the chalk answer. That's why I didn't yeah. want to say it, but. I didn't watch the video, but I, I think a, a Hawks jersey with more green, because green is a big color in their jersey. I mean, it's in the feather. It's in the tomahawk. It's in, I mean, but just having it, I guess it really wouldn't make sense though, right? At the end of the day, because like their color, their main colors isn't green. They just have a little bit in the jersey. Whereas like when the Devils have green in their jersey and it's more, they have a lot more green, but that's because that's just part of their team colors. They have it. It's more so than the Hawks. I mean, the chalk answer, obviously, which I didn't want to say was black because I'm trying to be different here, right? Yeah. Because everybody expects expects black and red. But these jerseys, though, they don't have to be any specific way. Like, just because the video says that the Devils is the same two colors in their video. And there are people saying that it's going to be the Kansas City Scouts jerseys with reversed colors and that would mean that they're like mostly white and blue and red see skoke says a little more yellow see that's what i'm looking for a little different something out of the ordinary like a green yellow would be cool something like just off the map yeah that's that's interesting i i hope the hawks do something like that i you know what else would be cool you know their winter classic jersey from 2000 and i guess it would be 2019 the one against the Bruins at Notre Dame, they wore the all black jerseys. They kind of look like White Sox hockey jerseys. Yeah, I have one. Yeah. If they reversed that and made it a white jersey with that logo, though, and all the stripes that are white on the one you have are now black, I mm. think that would be freaking cool. That too. would be cool. That would be really, really sharp. I thought about a white jersey, but you don't. It's very. I think it's going to be very hard to make a reverse retro white jersey. It has to be done right. Yeah, it does have to. Be. The Minnesota Wild did it the best mm-hmm. in 2020 when they reversed the North Star jerseys. And especially when you just have black and white, and it's just a little bit of black and mostly white, it's got to be done right. Yes, and I think if they – I honestly believe that if the Blackhawks took that 
jersey from the Winter Classic against the Bruins. And that would took be sick. Everything that's white and made it black, and took everything that's black and made it white, and literally just reversed the retro. They would have amongst the nicest in the entire NHL. You know what? Based on the little teaser you showed me, what they might be thinking about doing is they might be thinking about kind of when they were in the 2009 Winter Classic. Remember those jerseys? Yeah, oh yeah. Making it like, but that was like, it was a little, it was mostly black with a lot more red in there too. Yeah, and it was um, beige instead of white. Yeah. Uh-huh. Which I have like a jersey shirt of that somewhere. It's yeah. not an actual jersey, but I have it somewhere. They might try to do something similar to that, but instead of being mostly black, doing like black and a lot more red and maybe not beige no beige yeah. so we'll see i like that almost like uh didn't the team canada's jersey kind of like that yeah it was like yes. mostly red 100 and, and a little bit of black and like block letters right yeah and, and a little black i think that's what i'm gonna lock in with and say that's the look they're going for all right i i hope you're right that would be freaking sweet i think um, so I think so. And then, uh, for me, it's like all the original six teams. How's Montreal going to look? I loved Montreal's blue jerseys. And uh, Skokes wants to know if they're revealing today. I don't know if they're revealing today. That they've now – all 32 teams have released a second video about 10 minutes ago now. And if you're listening to this on the podcast version later, you're thinking we're crazy because you probably already see them at this point in time. My <laughs> guess is they come out later tonight like right before the start of the three games or if they introduce them on TNT or something like that with it being Wednesday night hockey, all that sort of jazz. But I'm hoping I'm, I'm indifferent on the devils because they're, they've only ever had one home and one away their whole life. Mm -hmm. And then the old version of it was green and the new one is blue uh, black, but they're the same Jersey. Um, and when they reversed it, they made it green, and the main jersey was green, and the rest was red. I'd like to see them – if they do the Kansas City Scouts reversed and it's a white jersey, I'll be okay with that. I would even think about getting one just because it's so unique to anything they've ever had. But I would love to see – have you seen their hashtag on Twitter? They got rid of the circle on the hashtag. Oh, the Devils? Yeah, I saw yeah, it. The it devil's it's just the N and the J, no circle. Yeah. I'm thinking clean. for the Devils, a black jersey with the red NJ with no circle. Yeah. And that would look sick because it looks red, clean on Twitter. Yes. Red shoulders or either red shoulders or black shoulders and then red stripes along the sleeves and stuff. And then you wear black pants. Maybe you do red socks. I don't know. But I kind of like that with the jersey jersey. They have black socks with white stripes. It's almost like the Hawks Winter Classic jersey, except it says jersey in the middle with like a red outline. And then the numbers and names on the back have red tint too. But I'm excited to see what these teams do. It'll be nice to have the Devils do a throwback something that doesn't involve green. And I love the green. I'd go back to green full time if I could instead of – and black would be like alternate. Like that. that's the Devils to me is red, green, and black. But for these reverse retros, I kind of want them to be funky. Like, I like the way Anaheim's jerseys in 2020 were so weird. And the Islanders were freaking weird. And I think the Islanders on this one, I think, are going to have that spaceship. But, you know, I like crazy stuff like that. The Devils are always just the same old 
green, black, and red with the logo in different variations. Like, give me something fresh for the Devils. Um, this Leafs video makes it look like it's going to be white. I could but, see them doing that. And, and I don't mind them doing it white as long as it's clean, like you said. The thing is, when they wear them, the other team is going to be wearing color on the road. Which, which happens. I don't hate that in the NHL. It rarely happens these days. The, it, the whites used to be the home jerseys. Yeah, until the lockout in 2005. Mm-hmm. But I, I would like it much more if they kind of got away from home and away and just decided that day, like, hey, we're going to wear – and you could still designate them as home and away, color and white. But if they just every now and again allowed the fans, at, the season ticket holders, to see the white jersey at home or see the let the road fans see the colored jerseys. I've never been to a Devils game where they weren't wearing white. Like that that's just crazy to me. And I know that's, that's how it is now. I'm gonna yeah. go to the game against the Islanders on December 9th. That's 99.9% a fact. And I know they're not gonna be wearing their red jerseys that day. And that kind of disappoints me a little bit. And there's gonna be a lot of season ticket holders that are excited to go to a game where they're not wearing their red jerseys for the billionth time. But for me, like I've never seen the red jerseys up front, up front and personal. And We'll see what happens, but these these reverse retros are causing a stir in the NHL world right now. I want it to be known that it may not be this year, but there will be a year where the Seattle Kraken have green jerseys. I am like 99.9% sure. Green how? Like what the, do you mean green how? Like the, like same... the actual color of the jerseys. Yeah, but like Kraken green or like Christmas tree green? Well, what's Kraken green? Like the, the tealish. That's like blue. That's like a teal blue. I mean like green green. Like oh. devil's green. Oh, okay. The Kraken the Kraken jerseys, they don't have a teal jersey. No, but they have like teal in it is like I think yeah. it's gonna be teal this year. I think they're gonna have like a teal jersey as oh, part of the Oh, that will be cool. It's like a, it's, a, it's a missed opportunity if they don't. I just don't see any other option, to be honest with you. I think yeah. it's got to be teal. There will be a year they have green. That They're into the really whole cool. climate pledge thing, climate pledge arena. It's green. There will be a green jersey. Eventually. Yeah, I like that, actually. And I think it would fit. I do think oh, it, it would fit. fit. It, it would fit in a way that red fits Vegas. There's no almost no red other than, like, the side logo on the patch on Vegas's mm-hmm. original gray jerseys. And – the red fit it fit for their reverse retro, and I think green could be the same for the Kraken. You're right. Mm-hmm. It kind of just hit me though that they don't have a teal sharks colored jersey. It's gonna happen. It's the navy and the white. It's gonna You're happen. Right. It is gonna happen. I hope this reverse retro is that. So that the reverse retro thing is slowly becoming my favorite hockey story of the week. I love jerseys. I love NHL memorabilia and collecting stuff like that. So I'm excited to see what the league comes up with here. Um, Frank, the NFL, if the NFL was a hockey game, if the entire NFL season was a hockey game, the first period would be over. How does that make you feel? (laughs) I mean, that's crazy. I mean, like I said, time flies, man. Yeah, we are one third. I'm enjoying it a lot. Yep, me too. And I'll tell you what. Those Kansas City Chiefs and those Buffalo Bills. I know you're very high on the Bills, 
you can't say they're definitively better than the Chiefs after watching that game. They are just both so, so good. And it came down to the final play where Von Miller got pressure on Patrick Mahomes and Patrick Mahomes did something he almost never does. And that's make a turnover type mistake where he throws a bad interception late in the game, sealing the victory for the Buffalo Bills. I think the roster of the Buffalo Bills is 1% better than the roster of the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think Patrick Mahomes is 1% better than Josh Allen. You combine those two things together and you have two evenly matched teams that are probably going to come down to the final play every single time they play. Your Bills got it done. What did you think of that masterpiece? Well, the thing is the Bills went into Kansas City and won too. Mm -hmm. Or if they meet in the playoffs, there's a pretty good chance that it's in Buffalo. Yeah. So, I mean, the fact that you only can't, that was the payoff payback game from the AFC divisional. I believe it was right. Yep, the AFC divisional. One of the best playoff games ever played. Yeah. Um, that was the payback game. I had a, I had a pretty good feeling that they were going to win um, as the game got closer to game time. But um, I still think they're going 15 and two. Josh Allen had three touchdown passes. He's going to be getting 40 touchdowns. I'm not worried about this. I mean, come on now. I mean, this that almost solidified it. You still got two games against the Jets, but the Jets have looked good, but they're not going to beat the Bills. Um, yeah, I, this this team, man, is just unreal. It was such a good game to watch. I thought, me personally, they should have flexed the game. It should have been like a Sunday night football game. I don't know why we got it at 3 o'clock. The league values that 325 game, though. That's something people refuse to understand. It is considered the third most important game of the week every year. Should it have been Sunday night football? Yes, but the league values that game of the week from Fox. Fox pays the league a lot of money for that 325 You could have had that Sunday game game of the week. Yeah. Between the Eagles yeah. and the Cowboys. Mm -hmm. That had been good. Yeah, you're right. More eyes would have been on the Bills game, I yeah. think. Even though there were probably many eyes on the Bills game, but more—I mean, at night, under the lights, it's a dark. It's dark out there. Yeah, you're you're right. I agree with you, man. That game was sick. Uh, it was really good. It was oh, fun yeah. to watch. Do you agree that the Bills? You still you think the Bills are going to go fifteen and two? Fifteen and two is tough, man. They already got one. I know, like, but then this this was one on your list that they're going to lose. Yeah, no, it was because, again, I think they're so evenly – it was one that they could lose. I'm not surprised the Bills won. Listen, there's a reason. They looked at the way their season went last year, and they were like, hey, what do we need this offseason? Oh, Von Miller's available? Yeah, that's our guy. We want him. Go offer him whatever he wants. He's won the Super Bowl with two teams. He could become the first player to ever win one with three. Yeah, let's do that. I mean, this Von Miller guy is unbelievable. He is a shoe-in to go to the Hall of Fame. He's now added – he he also adds more than just like the physical presence that he does on defense. He adds a presence to the locker room and the culture. And, hey, we're the Buffalo Bills. We got Von Miller and Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and this great team. And we could go into Kansas City and beat them. You know, we can be the favorites. They were the betting favorite on the road, which is just unbelievable. And – don't think Kansas City is going to take this lightly. I do think they're going to sign Odell Beckham Jr. And, you know, maybe they trade for McCaffrey. Okay. Th these two teams are the two Titans in the NFL. In my opinion, they're the two best teams in the NFL. And I often say that the 90% of games in this league come down to whether or not the team who has the ball last either scores or is stopped. Kansas City was stopped. 
the Bills win. And wow, instant classic for a regular season week six game. I will say that much. I hope they meet in the playoffs. I need it like I need air to breathe. I think they're going to win the Super Bowl. The Bills. Uh-huh. Okay, I think whoever makes it farthest out of these two wins the Super Bowl. Because I like Philly. I like Minnesota. I think there's a ceiling to Minnesota's success. Um, I I don't know the ceiling to Philly's success. I don't. I haven't seen them in the playoffs with this quarterback, this core. Um, maybe the Vikings will prove me wrong when it comes to playoff time. But, you know... The team, the other teams from the AFC that I expected to be good, the Chargers, the Broncos, um, everybody else, the, all those teams have kind of disappointed me, even in getting the win over the Broncos. The Chargers, I don't love the way they're coached so far this season. And Herbert's elite, but I, I'm just not too high on those two teams anymore. And, you know, could either of them go on a run? Yeah, of course they can. Could Russell Wilson start to look like the old Russell Wilson that we once knew? Their defense is elite. And the reason I thought Denver was going to be good was because I thought that elite defense would get Russell Wilson on their offense, and then those two things would come together, kind of like what happened with Los Angeles last year. And that just hasn't happened with Wilson. The difference was Matthew Stafford looked great. Russell Wilson looks like dog meat. So that's why the Broncos are 2-4 and four instead of 4-2. and two. The, the, the only thing... They're four games into a seven-game primetime schedule. The league thought they were going to be good, too. And I just am stunned at the way that it's gone down for them. So that's kind of my other story. But I know the Bears, Vikings, Packers kind of play in an interesting NFC North. What's your opinion on that division? The Vikings are going to win the division. You were right about that. You really? Really? I think so. Interesting. Packers are three and three. Vikings five and one. Mm-hmm. I'm not counting out Aaron Rodgers just yet. I, I mean, There's I did a tough blow to the Jets, but Zach Wilson looks good. Zach Wilson's a very talented quarterback. I think so. You might make yeah. fun of me for saying no, that. no, not at all. But I think the Jets aren't an easy team when they're healthy. I agree. And, and I think the Jets they'll they'll lose to the Bills. They might go. Have they played the Dolphins yet? The Jets, the Dolphins, the Dolphins without two are an entirely different team, though. So and they I mean, they still have to pay the Bills twice. Yeah. So I don't know about that division. I, the Bills are going to win it, coming in second. The Patriots have looked better. Mm-hmm. The Dolphins have taken a tank since the whole Tua thing. And listen, I won't feel wrong about the Dolphins if they all of a sudden fall off without their quarterback and everything that's happened to them. I'm almost rooting for them to fall off because I don't think a single person in charge of that place deserves any sort of success after what happened to Tua a couple weeks ago against the Bengals. He came out with a statement today saying that he doesn't even remember being carted off the field. Are you kidding me? I hope the Dolphins lose every game the rest of the season as long as he's injured. I do. Yeah, that's, that's rough. I mean, he shouldn't have even played that game when I told you he was, had a concussion. You thought I was crazy. Okay. Do you understand why I thought you were crazy, though? Yeah. Because it seemed so in, like improbable to me that a team, a National Football League team, one that is on a winning trajectory, would play their quarterback with a concussion. That just sounds unheard of. They, they take guys out of concussion in baseball, which is a far less physical sport than football. And uh, I, I, I was stunned. I, I, I didn't think it was possible. I thought for sure you misheard something. And credit to me, I'm sorry, or credit to you, I was wrong. 
I, I, I thought there would be decent human beings at a bare minimum making a decision like that. And the doctor's been fired. A guy got fired over this. That's why I thought it was so egregious. It's crazy. He would have played. Yeah, because he could get killed. (laughs) You don't want to mess with the head. I think with two straight concussions, you can get – there's a word for it. I had the word. I lost it. But it's it's dangerous. It's serious. It's very dangerous. But you're, you're you're done with the Packers. They haven't looked good. They've looked like dog meat. But the thing that I mean, ham the thing that hampers them is also hampering the Buccaneers, and I'm not out on them either. I mean, it's Aaron Rodgers at the end of the day, right? You yeah. can turn this division around. The Bears, no. I mean, I know no. you asked me about the Bears, no. No, they're trash. But and if they sell off Robert Quinn like it came out today, they'll be even worse. The Packers, I don't know. They just don't look good. Rodgers doesn't look like Rodgers. So, no, it, it probably is going to be the Vikings division. It's got to yeah. be. Yeah, and I stand by my original statement. I picked them to win the division. Maybe they win a playoff game. If they play against uh, – a Giants or something like that. I could see them beating a team like that. I really do. But then, like, if you start playing the Eagles or the 49ers or if the Rams get out of their mess, um, I don't think the Cardinals are going to stay this poor. Um, You know, then I don't know. But there's a ceiling because you have Kirk Cousins instead of Mm -hmm. a elite quarterback. But at the same time, Nick Foles won a Super Bowl. It's true. Could they win a Super Bowl if Kirk Cousins just throws the ball to Jefferson when it's available and runs Alvin Cook into the ground? I guess that's possible because their defense is very – it is possible. The Vikings are a good roster. If Kirk Cousins could be the 13th best quarterback, they they could. But I like the Eagles in the NFC right now, and I think the Cowboys are frauds. Well, we'll see. They get Dak back and he plays well, then they're not frauds. Yeah. What, 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 what's your take on New England? Two wins in a row, now three and three. They play the Bears. They in all likelihood will be four and three. And then they all of a sudden look like they're right there with the Jets and the Dolphins for second place in the division after looking like the clear last place team in the division. Well, I think the Patriots are just they're they're okay. I mean, they got one of the best defenses in the NFL. Um that that can't be our their defense is so good. They just don't have the offense to contend with top teams. I mean, let's take a look at their losses. They lost to the Dolphins, the Ravens, and the Packers. Okay. Not, I mean, you're not surprised there. Mm-hmm. But the teams they beat, they beat the Lions, the Steelers, and the Browns. I mean, those aren't elite teams. So no. it's like the best so, of those is probably the Browns. We saw. Yeah. So it's like they're getting wins against the bottom feeding bottom feeder teams, but they're not beating the good teams because they don't have the offense for it. They have the defense to hold down the bad teams, which is expected. So I think they're just okay. I think they're there in the middle. They're they're an okay team. That's fair. That's very fair. Um, I'm kind of with you. I think uh, I think they're an okay team. I think they'll kill the Bears. Bill Belichick um He's known for dismantling first-year head coaches and young quarterbacks. And I think the Bears are probably going to have their worst game of the season on Monday night. I really Could do. be. Um, they, they've been in every game they played except the Packer one, and even then they scored the first touchdown and looked okay early. 
Um, I don't think it's going to be well for this Bears team. And listen, the media is trying to create this quarterback controversy going on in New England, Bailey Zappi and Mac Jones. Mac Jones is more talented, but that doesn't mean a whole lot always. Mm -hmm. Coming in, nobody would have ever thought that Tom Brady would be more talented than Drew Bledsoe. Never in a million years. Who's this sixth-round pick going to take out Drew Bledsoe? Now he's the GOAT. Mm -hmm. not saying Bailey Zappi's even going to be an all-star level quarterback, but I don't think it matters who they play against the Bears. They're going to kill him. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, the oh, other story in the NFL. I was like, where on my sheet am I? Is there another <laughs> story in the NFL you wanted to speak of? Yeah, I think it's very interesting that J- Deshaun Jackson is coming back to the NFL and will be playing for the Baltimore Ravens. Now, wide receiver depth has been a concern for the Ravens because of uh, somebody's out for them, Bateman maybe or. Somebody's yeah. out for them. And now you're going to have Deshaun Jackson come in, who is not the Deshaun Jackson of years past, obviously. He's a lot older, not as quick, but he, he was known for his speed. And now you're coming out of the Ravens, who, you know, Ravens got a pretty good team. I think that's just, I think that's huge for the Ravens. We'll see what he could do. Yeah, absolutely. That's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking at, it's kind of like a long term thing. I'm starting to think the Bengals are back. Uh, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow was never playing poorly. The team around him kind of was, and a lot of the times, the team that loses the Super Bowl suffers the following season. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that it's a short suffering for Burrow and the Bengals this year, and they are finally able to get back. I do not think very highly of the Steelers, even though they got a big win over the Buccaneers. Um, I don't know what's going on in Tampa Bay. Um, I, they have one of the elite defenses. Their offense isn't clicking. The only diff, they're, they're basically the same thing as the Packers. The only difference is there's not as much we going on with the New England Patriots or with the um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I have it backwards. There's not as much we going on with the Green Bay Packers as there is with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. A lot of I, 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 me, me, me stuff from – um Rodgers so I don't know but my story is Tom Brady and the Buccaneers they need to get their act together yeah I mean they don't look that good that was a tough loss to the Steelers they shouldn't have lost to the Steelers the reason I lost my train of thought right there is I'm looking out my window right now and there's a squirrel trying to attack our pumpkin out there and I want to get to the bottom of this right now this squirrel needs to be shaking off this pumpkin and stop destroying it. He's really starting to piss me off. So we got we got that being taken care of right now. So that's kind of why I lost my train of thought there and got my eyes and wheeze mixed up. <laughs> but, um, yeah. The college football is also going off the hook as well. We saw Tennessee, number six Tennessee, play against – was Alabama number two? Or were they number three? They, three, I thought. And they played against Tennessee. It was a very good game. It came down to the absolute wire. And I'd like to know your take. Now Tennessee beat them. 
and they shouldn't have been number uh, maybe they could have been number one. I would have ranked them number one. They're the only team in college football that has scored 30 or more points in each of their first five games or six games, whatever it is. And they've beaten four top 25 ranked teams at the time of their game. Their resume speaks for itself. They're so good. So what's your takeaway from this whole thing? I think they're going to make the college football playoff. Honestly, I really do. That's bold because they got one more big one. Well, Georgia. But do you, but do you take in like if you lose that? Is it like could they drop you that much? Because that's like no what you're expecting. No, I know two SEC teams make it all the time. If they lose to Georgia, they'll still have the tiebreaker over Alabama, so they can play against Georgia one more time in the SEC championship game. If they lose to Georgia, then and are a two-loss team, they ain't getting in. I but then you have it. That that that's the way to the way two SEC teams get in this year is if whoever loses that game wins the SEC title game. Yeah, but so you're thinking college football playoff? Yeah, I do. I really do. Right now they're ranked three. Bama fell to sixth. That was a good game. I, my mind was kind of somewhere else. I was watching the Mariners game, so I couldn't have my full focus on the Tennessee Bama game. It's funny. I had opposite. <laughs> on the computer, Tennessee, Bama was on the TV. So, yeah, I mean, it was a very good game. We both had a feeling Tennessee was going to win. Yep, we called and, it on this show. And they did. They looked good. They didn't have – there were no defense in that game, but their Tennessee defense has been better this year compared to years past. It was funny that the kids, the students, stole the goalpost and were surfing it through the streets. You saw that, right? Oh, I saw. And then Tennessee tried to start a GoFundMe type thing to like get it paid for, even though they're a billion-dollar college football team playing in one of the biggest markets on an undefeated team. You could buy yourself your own damn new goalpost, <laughs> assholes. Yeah, so. Yep. Okay, so I have another question for you then. Mm-hmm. Tennessee, Bama, great game. Tennessee pulls out the win. We think Georgia. I think Georgia's the best team in college football, personally. I think they're going to smoke Tennessee, but I think they would literally smoke anyone. And Tennessee might get booted from the college football playoff if they lose both the game to them and the SEC title game. It's just a tough circumstance for Tennessee this year with how good Georgia actually is. Michigan, Ohio State, though. There's a chance that for the first time in the Jim Harbaugh era, they both meet each other undefeated when they play each other in rivalry week. And the winner of that will represent their side of the Big Ten in the Big Ten title game. What do you make of what's going on here with Michigan and Ohio State? Because I think Ohio State's better, Mm -hmm. but not by much. Not by much. And Michigan upset them last year and made it to the college football playoff. I'm so interested. I'm more intrigued by the top of the Big Ten right now than I am the top of the SEC, I like the SEC more, but I think it's pretty cut and dry who the three best teams are, Tennessee, Alabama, and Georgia. Mm-hmm. In the Tennessee or in um the SEC, it's like, okay, it's just those top two teams as it is every other year. And then Illinois is four and one on the other side trying to take down one of these two. What are you thinking here? Yeah, Ohio State, they they have a really good team this year. They're second in the country. I mean, they're they got they have a really talented team. I, I do think it's ultimately theirs in the Big Ten. It'd be cool to see if Illinois, 
potentially upsets Michigan or Ohio State. I think that'd be hilarious. It to would be, be hilarious. Because I, I love the chaos. But um, I do think Ohio State is better than Michigan, even if it's not by much. I do think it's theirs to it's it's theirs this year. Yeah, you said which one? It's it's whose? Ohio State. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're gonna be angry from the way it went last year, and I just think they're more talented. Payback game, game. kind of like yeah. Chiefs Bills. Yeah, and so I do think Ohio State's gonna be in it. I I don't know how the playoffs gonna shake out because it will be one of Michigan, Ohio State, and then one of Georgia, Tennessee. Uh, I kind of think Alabama's cooked. Just because if Tennessee does have that one loss and Bama and Tennessee are both seven and one or whatever, or no, it'll be like, no, it would be like nine and one, right? Something like that. And they go to play Georgia in the SEC championship Mm -hmm. game. Tennessee has the tiebreaker to play Georgia in the SEC game over Bama. Really, Bama's key to getting back is Tennessee losing two more games. Mm Mm-hmm. And that just doesn't feel possible at this point. I mean, I know anything's possible, especially with a team that's been mostly bad for the last 10 years in Tennessee, but they're really good this year so far. And I'm excited about it. I don't love Clemson. Nah. Uh, they're, they're like, in, they're going to be in the top five because they'll dominate the ACC and Notre Dame's not a threat this year. And they might squeak into the college football playoff, but maybe. Then, yeah, I just I don't buy what I'm what tenant what Clemson is selling me. Do you? Not really. I think they're a little overrated this year. Um, I love the school overall, just because of Trevor Lawrence. But yeah, it just seems like it doesn't feel. I don't know if they're gonna make it. You think they have a chance of making it? Making it fit? I eh, I don't even think they're gonna squeak in. Well, they're five, and. One through seven is either a Big Ten school or an SEC school. Like Georgia, Tennessee, and Alabama, and Ole Miss are one, three, six, and seven. And then Ohio State is two. Michigan is four. One of Ole Miss, Tennessee, Alabama, Clemson is going to lose. I don't know if Clemson's going to lose. I just think once they get to the playoff, they're going to get absolutely shit-canned. I'm looking at their schedule. They play Notre Dame in two weeks. They play Syracuse this week. They should be able to win both of those. Then they play Louisville, Miami, Florida, and then South Carolina. There's a really good chance Clemson goes undefeated. I just think once they play against one of these SEC or Big Ten schools, they're going to get absolutely demolished. I don't. UCLA and TCU are both 6-0. and Oregon's five and one. I actually like Oregon as a Pac-12 team to come up and potentially get a college football playoff spot. And people will sleep on USC as well, who are twelve. They're six and one. Um, the only thing, if Syracuse beats Clemson this week, then I think Clemson's done. I also think I know Ole Miss is ranked seven. I think they're a little overrated. They got LSU this week. That's not going to be a cupcake game for Ole Miss. Even though LSU is uh, unranked, it's in LSU. And if they lose to LSU, I just think they're overrated. I don't even think Ole Miss should be rated that high. They shouldn't be seven. See, they're, what, seven and oh? Mm-hmm. I, I thought Arch Manning was going to choose Ole Miss because it, does, it, it always felt like they were a quarterback away. 
and he chose Texas, which he's still a senior in high school, so he's not in college yet. And I think Texas will be really good when he arrives, and they will be in the SEC at that point. I do think highly of Ole Miss. I just think it'll come down to if they end up 9-0 and by beating LSU and then A&M a week later, if they beat Alabama on the 12th, then I think – I think we could be talking big things. The SEC is a cluster F at the top right now. And those four teams are all really good. They're all really good. The LSU game's tough. I know. Of course they might not tough. win that game. That was at A&M. Mm-hmm. But if they do win those games and then you go into then Alabama, story. Yeah. if you go into Alabama at 9-0, and then I think people are going to be talking like, okay, this Ole Miss team – if they – I mean, they lead their division right now, the SEC West. And if – imagine if they play against Tennessee in the SEC title game and they're both undefeated going in. Then they both make the playoff probably. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Because I don't see a Pac-12 team or an ACC team as better than either of them. The only ones – and then the, they got the Big Ten with Michigan and Ohio State. One of them is going to get shit game. Yeah. Yeah, they're so, both trying to make it. Yeah, I don't Ohio think State will probably teams. make it. The only way two Big Ten teams could make it, it would have someone on the other side would have to come up big. I don't think Michigan and Ohio State can make it because they can't play each other in the Big Ten title game. They play each other the week before. One will lose, the other will go to the championship game and play either Illinois or in past years it's been Wisconsin, Northwestern, stuff like that. It's just highly unlikely that a team from the big 10 um, East or the big 10 West makes a push to be like a second big 10 team making it. Yeah. Now when the college football playoff expands in a couple years to 12 teams and you have six conference champions and six at large teams, we already would know pretty much at this point who's making the playoff, right? Like all four of those SEC teams would make it. Clemson would make it. Michigan, Ohio State. And then the rest would pretty much be conference title winners. So I'm interested, though. I'm starting to get excited for these Tuesday night reveal shows that should be oh yeah, starting up in a couple weeks here. I look forward to that. Every single Tuesday. It's one of my favorite things. And the nice thing about this show is it'll always be the afternoon after. So it'll be fresh on everyone's minds the mm-hmm. second we get into it. After two periods of talking hockey, we'll be right in to talk about what's oh, yeah. going on with that. Um, really quickly, I know tomorrow we have Crosstown Crosstalk on the network, 2 p.m. I'll be getting ready to go forward with the National League Championship Series and the American League Championship Series. Frank, as we speak right now, people listening later will have a different story. But as of right now, the Philadelphia Phillies have a one nothing series lead over the San Diego Padres, and the New York Yankees are set to face the Houston Astros. What do you make of these series? Who represents the American League and the National League in the World Series? I think the Phillies are going to take it. In the NLCS, honestly, they're up 3-0 right now in game two. Kind of expected them to come out swinging. Aaron Nola's pitching for the Phillies today. They're going to hold down the fort, I think. So you, you figure Phillies go up 2-0. I think Phillies, it's just it's one of those years where a team like the Philadelphia Phillies go on that run. Um, yeah, in terms of the ALCS, I hate the Astros. I'm a big Yankees fan. What? 
Foro. Foro. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm not a big fan of the Astros. I don't really like them. I'm a big Yankees fan. Go Yankees. I hope to see them represent the American League. Um, so I think we're going to have Phillies-Yankees. What a wild World Series that would be. Something I would have never predicted. Um, yeah. I think that, that series kicks off tonight. And it should be excited. I, I'm pulling for the Phillies to win the whole thing. I think the Phillies are probably going to win now. I kind of was thinking the, the Padres went down one nothing to the Dodgers too, and like, why can't they come back against the Phillies if they could against the Dodgers? One of those years, man. The Phillies are hot. Uh huh. bats. How did they get these runs? Um, Schwarber has an RBI. That must have been a sacrifice fly because he doesn't have a hit. Um, oh, Bohm has an RBI hit, and so does uh, Sosa. So there's your four runs. Um, wow. Aaron Nola threw one, two strikeouts. See? Two out of strikeouts or strikeouts. Like, yeah, I- I'm kind of getting on board with the Phillies. I think the Astros are going to smoke the Yankees. I hope not. Dude. I hope not. Listen, listen, the Astros have been the bane of my existence since the White Sox beat them in the World Series in 2005. Okay. <sighs> I know how much everyone hates them and stuff like that. Everyone hates the Yankees too, but they are so good. I can't. The Yankees almost blew it to the Guardians. The Astros had trouble with no one. They had the best record in the American League. They made easy work of that hot, dangerous-looking Seattle Mariners team, took them out in a sweep. And I know every game was close. I know every game could have went the Mariners' way, but they didn't. They just the Astros do this to everyone. I know it's painful to hear. You're the Mariners and the White Sox are the last two teams to get eliminated by the Astros in the ALDS. Okay, there's a lot of Astros pain on this podcast between the two of us. I just I don't see a world where they don't smoke the Yankees. Absolutely. Well, hopefully Verlander pitches like he did in Game One against the Mariners. Dude's got a 13 and a half ERA this postseason. I know. And James Talon's going for the Yankees. That, that's rough, but I know. Talon's okay. He's not the best. Yeah. I mean, that's what scares me. I know. And they'll have Garrett Cole, which is nice, but like, who, who's the last team Garrett Cole played for before the Yankees? What, yeah, what lineup would know how to fucking dummy Garrett Cole more? Than the Houston, Ast- I I just have a bad feeling that the Astros go to the World Series for the second straight year. They're in their fifth straight ALCS. They've tormented the American League basically. Has it might be one of the most successful rebuilds ever because they had three number one overall picks, only hit on one of them, um, which was Correa, who's not even there anymore, and the kid, the kid who replaced Correa is the one that hit the big bomb against the Mariners. He had two big bombs against the Mariners. Uh, now I'm drawing a blank on his name. Um, Pena? Yes, Pena. Freaking Jeremy Pena, batting second playing shortstop for the Houston Astros in the ALCS while Carlos Correa and the Minnesota Twins watch at home from the couch. What a dummy Correa is. Eh, people make fun of me because they cheated. Boy, we know you cheated, but we also know that, like, 
it gave you a 1% advantage. Like, the Astros are still elite. Okay, Altuve. The Yankee fans are chanting, we want Houston. About a week from now, they're going to be chanting, maybe we really didn't want Houston. I promise you. I mean, I don't promise you. I don't know shit. I'm always wrong. But the Astros, man, I'm I'm done picking against the Astros. They make me look foolish time and time again. I picked against them against the White Sox. I picked against them against the freaking Mariners. I picked them against them last year against the Red Sox in the ALCS. I picked against them in the World Series and the Braves won. But I know I actually might have picked the Astros to beat the Braves, even though I wanted the Braves to win. That might have been a little manifesting there, though because the Braves are one of my favorite teams in baseball. But I don't know. I'm not picking against the Astros. I hope they both lose. This might I hope be, the Astros lose. This might be a rare year where VP roots for the um, National League champion in the World Series. Very rarely I'm do you see – for the Phillies. Yeah, very rarely do you see VP root for the National League champion in the World Series. It has to be either the Braves – I would say it has to be either the Braves, Cardinals, Giants, or Mets. Otherwise, I'm rooting for the American League, except this year. I'm not rooting for the Yankees or the Astros, probably. I'll be happy for Judge. I mean, I I have nothing against the Yankees at all. No. I don't mind. You're not an American League fan, though. Exactly. You, oh, you are, though, I guess now. But they don't bother me. Yeah, they don't really bother the Mariners at all. That, that might be... That I'm might pretty be sure the Mariners won the season series against them. Yeah, they probably did. The Yankees, yeah. they got two big wins against Cleveland. And that complete moron, Josh Naylor. <laughs> yeah, he he's the baby and the Yankees are the daddy. I hope he realizes that going <laughs> forward. Um, but yeah, that's the other sports. Frank, what are you watching this weekend? Sports or not sports? Well, all sports. Back to back solo shots. It is now four to two. Wow. That's that's I, I still think the Phillies are gonna end up winning, but we'll see. Um well I'm gonna watch all sports. NBA's back. I'm excited about that. The Bulls versus the Heat tonight to windycity.com. Read my preview article. Yeah, Levine isn't playing, I heard. No Levine. Nope, no so, Levine. So that's rough. But no ball. No ball. But the NBA's back, so that'll be fun. I'll catch some NBA games. Besides sports, you know what I really want to watch this weekend? And maybe I'll even start tonight. I want to catch a couple horror movies. We're in the October Ooh. months. I want to be spooky. See, why I got something for you. Uh-oh. Do I got something for you? That's you it. should use this as your horror shit. I'm being dead serious. It's based on a true story. It's about a man from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, who went by the name of Jeff Dahmer. This yeah, show on Netflix, right? that Netflix. dropped on Netflix. It is one of the most horrifying, scary, disgusting, gruesome things. I've ever watched and knowing that it is real and everything that happens in this show really happened to these poor kids is one of the most frightening, scary things of all time. Now, when I call it a great show, I, I hesitate because there's nothing great about it. It's all real. It's actually so sad, but the acting, 
and everything about it, the portrayal, it kind of has a Breaking Bad feel to it and the way that they do the camera work and all that stuff. But I highly recommend it if you're looking for something scary to watch. Oh, yeah, I plan on watching it. It's a thriller to the max. And there's 10 episodes. They're all about 45 minutes to an hour each. It's, I grind, I, we grinded it in a week, less than a week. We were done, 10 episodes. And we're done. And it's very, got a Halloween feel. You know, uh, WandaVision? Mm-hmm. It, who plays her brother for like three episodes, Quicksilver. Mm-hmm. He's like the new Quicksilver. He's also the Quicksilver in the X-Men movies. Mm-hmm. He plays Jeff Dahmer. Oh, really? Yeah. And he does an outstanding job portraying him. And have you have you seen Step Brothers? Mm-mm. Have you seen? That's so fucked up that you haven't seen Step Brothers that I can't make this analogy for you. Have you seen Cheaper by the Dozen? Mm-hmm. Like recently, where you can recall the characters? Maybe. Okay. Well, Steve Martin, the gray-haired dad. Yeah, that's the main he's guy. A football, yeah. He's a football coach. Uh huh. And his old friend, his name is Shake. The athletic director mm-hmm. invites him to come coach at his alma mater, which was his dream job. So they had to move into this big house. That's the story of Cheaper by the Dozen. And in moving to this big house, things get crazy. The mom writes a book. She goes out of town. Well, the guy who plays Shake is the Jeffrey Dahmer's dad. And he does a brilliant job playing his dad. It's definitely and on our list to watch. So It's... it's it's weird, bro. It's weird, but for Halloween time, if you're looking for something scary, that's definitely up there. Totally noted. So that that's what I watched last weekend. As far as watching this weekend, you got anything else? Nah, not. But I, I'm like repetitive. The things I say, the same shows. Survivor tonight. Just watched last week's episode yesterday. I yep. was a little behind. Um, made a quick pit stop in Christmas Mountain over the weekend again this last weekend. Mm-hmm. So we were a little behind and we caught up with that yesterday. We'll be watching that. Um, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, new episode tonight. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Um, I will be, the Bulls will probably go on computer tonight. Should be exciting. Bulls against the uh, Miami Heat. Um, on the TV, though, goes the Houston Astros against the New York Yankees, I would say. And then there's some big hockey games, too, to be excited about, too. Um, I got a text from Mr. Joey Parisi while doing this show that the Bruins are doing the reverse retro as the Pooh Bear. Does that mean the rest of the jerseys came out? Um, I'll look at that while we're while you're doing breaking bets. But, yeah, so that. And then I've been watching while working just some of the old Star Wars movies on the side when I'm mm-hmm. like – I'm not fully invested, but it's like background noise. But every now and then I'll look up and pay attention to what's going on. I love having those on as background noise. Andor is supposed to be good. I know. I will catch up on Andor. I have a couple shows that I have to completely watch. Andor, She-Hulk, and the Game of Thrones show, House of Dragons. She-Hulk was fantastic. So I've heard, and I'm very excited to get through that. I'm kind of into the MCU again now. We started Ant-Man. We had to pause it for me to do this show. And then after Ant-Man is Captain America Civil War. And then from there, we cook. I want to see Infinity War with you guys in Endgame. Infinity War and Endgame, that that is for sure. Yes, no, I know. Because sometimes when you're watching with people, hint, hint, Katie, that you've never watched it before. Sometimes you just like to look at these people Mm -hmm. when they're watching this shit for the first time. And there there was a line in Ant-Man today where your boy got a little choked up 
knowing what comes on later in the uh-huh. in the programs. So I'm very excited to roll through the rest of this MCU series. The phase three. I listen, don't get me wrong, I love phase one and two. The Avengers, Age of Ultron, Ant-Man, um, Captain America, the first Avenger, Captain America, the Winter Soldier is probably the best of all those, in my opinion. Like those are like great movies. Phase three, that's where the elites start. So, I agree. It's like Katie's watching them, and she's probably like, Well, you guys talk a lot about about this, but like they're good. No, they're good, but it's like eight, you guys are like over ten most of them, except for Winter Soldiers in the nines. And then it's like you guys are like, why do you like these so much? I mean, they're good movies, but they're nothing like the way you guys portray them. But just wait. Yeah. Like you haven't even gotten to the meat and potatoes yet. Yeah. I mean, the Winter Soldier with the plot twist about Hydra and Shield and all that. That's like where shit starts to get crazy on Earth. And then we, the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie is where you're first kind of like introduced to things that are space outside of Asgard. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm pumped. I'm so pumped to it's go really through good. So that's what I'm watching. Hope everybody enjoyed our show today. Frank, it is time for America's favorite podcast segment of the week. Breaking Bets. Where's my money, bitch? Where's my money, bitch? Frank? Help your boy make some money, okay? Got three picks for you today. Not a lot of hockey. There's three hockey games, but there's one that really stuck out to me. That's the Blues at the Seattle Kraken. That's Blues. I like the Seattle Kraken to win this game, honestly. I think the Kraken take this. Plus 110 at home. Blues have only played one game. They beat the Columbus Blue Jackets 5-2, to two, and they were home. Very well-deserved home opener. There you go. Going into Seattle now, I do think Seattle's going to be a little more competitive. I don't think it's going to be a cupcake for them, as people think. I really don't. I think the Kraken have a chance to upset here. So take the home team in a little bit of value. We'll see We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Now I'm very excited for these next two picks because the NBA is back, and that's probably like one of the best sports to bet on. It's one Basketball. of the most fun. Hornets play the Spurs tonight. Spurs were a little uh, underrated last year. They made. I'm pretty sure they made the play-in last year as a 10th seed or something. The Hornets, they don't have LaMelo Ball. LaMelo Ball's out. Miles Bridges, he's dealing with a domestic violence court case, so he won't be playing for the Hornets. I like the value here for the Spurs at home, opening night for the Spurs at minus 106. They're a slight underdog, one-point underdog, but no, I like it. I mean, the, the Hornets are hurting a a little bit here, especially with no ball or bridges. So that's going to hurt them. So I like the Spurs at minus 106 money line. I think that's a very good pick. The other pick is the Trailblazers at the Kings. I like Kings money line at minus 134. Blazers got some guys ruled out. They do have Damian Lillard back, which they were without for a majority of the season last year. So that'll help their chances. Um, but when you got De'Aaron Fox, Sabonis, and uh, Harrison Barnes, that's a tough trio to play against, especially when you're at home. Uh, Lillard's good. It's really hard to take them, though, with the way they've been, the way they were last year. They didn't make many changes this year. They, they just got Lillard back, which should help them, but I don't see him winning this game. We'll see. And the depth on the Blazers is not really that good. 
they don't have a ton of depth. When he comes off the court, it's going to be hard to put up the points he does. I like the Kings tonight. Kings are no, you know, spring chicken day at the beach either. They're not going to be this elite team, but I do think they could get it done at home with that trio of Fox, Bridges, and Barnes. Or not Bridges, Sabonis. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm falling apart. Fox, Sabonis, and uh, Harrison Barnes, yeah. I don't get what was so wrong about what you said. You were just listing guys off. I was like fumbling their names. I wasn't saying their name correct. Harrison, Barnes, and Sabonis? No. See, you even got it wrong. You can't even remember what I said because I said it wrong. De'Aaron Fox, Sabonis, and Harrison Barnes. Oh, Harrison Barnes is one player. Yeah, and I said Har- and I and I broke him up into two players. Yeah, I don't know freaking um, NBA depth players on the Sacramento Kings like that. The Kings are the Kings are the most. <laughs> me and Dylan talked about this. We think the Kings are the most irrelevant team in the four <laughs> big sports. If you were to rank every team in the Big Four from top to bottom, from relevant to most relevant to least relevant, the you Sacramento Kings so. of the NBA would be at the very bottom of the list. Oh, you think so? Yeah, because like even the worst teams in the NHL create storylines. Even the worst teams in the NFL create storylines. You never hear a damn word about the Sacramento Kings. People forget, hey, name every team in California in baseball. Oh, that's easy. The A's, Giants, Dodgers, Angels, and Padres. Oh, name them all in hockey. Oh, that's easy. The Sharks, Ducks, and Kings. Oh, name them in football. Oh, that's easy. The Chargers. Rams and 49ers and yeah, that's it. And then you get to basketball. It's like the Warriors, the Lakers, the Clippers. Uh, That's it. No, bro. <laughs> Sacramento Kings. Maybe I'm out of touch, but no, I mean, I, I get where you're coming from. I do think they're going to be a lot better than people think. I mean, that they did make a big trade last year with the Pacers to get Sabonis, which I thought was pretty big. So we'll see how he is here for a full season. That would be hilarious if they're like this elite team. You know what I just decided? Bardown Talking Hockey is officially a Sacramento Kings supporting podcast. Whenever our favorite hockey teams are struggling, we're just going to become Sacramento Kings guys. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, let's go Kings. That's another thing that pisses me off. You're like a newer NBA team, and you took the name of a hockey team that's also from the same state as you. That would be like, that would be like if an NFL team joined late in Chicago and called themselves the Blackhawks. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Are you kidding me? And the Kings are one of the oldest teams in the NHL. They're part of the second six. Like, ah, that's weird to me. Because I do believe Chicago will have an AFC team in our lifetime. I do. At least they're not the Los Angeles Kings in the end, right? Like, at least they're Sacramento. Yeah, and at least they don't play necessarily close to the Staples Center or whatever the H it's called now. The Crypto.com Arena. Crypto.com Arena. That might be the – I thought Guaranteed Rate Field was the dumbest name when they first made it. Like, when it first became the name, I think I have probably – some pretty nasty tweets and Facebook posts out there from that year, but crypto.com arena might have a beat. That's pretty dumb. <laughs> I, I agree. Well, that's our show. 
we've had a great time talking about all things hockey. We got a little bit into the NFL. Um, Frankie's favorite team, the Houston Astros, are about to be going to their second straight World Series. Yeah, right. And their fourth World Series appearance in the last – what would that would that be four World Series appearance in the last five years? Who cares? 17, 19. I no, sleep. four in the last six. 17, 19. They won in 17, lost in 19, lost in 21. They might win the whole damn I'm thing. Trying to fall asleep. I don't want to hear that. They literally might win the whole thing. That would really suck. So I hope everybody enjoyed our show. To Skokes and Travis in the chat, you guys were great today. It was a lot of fun. Uh, make sure you tune into what's going on in the NHL world. There's a lot of fancy schmancy stuff going on right now. These reverse retros are about to get announced at some point today, me thinks. Um, there's lots of exciting hockey. Any chance you get to tune into McDavid, do it. I mean, you're alive at the same time as this guy. Take full advantage of it. Um, uh, do you have anything else you want to say before we head on out of here? Call of Duty comes out in nine days. That should be fun. Oh, I saw We're it trending in, on Twitter. This is yeah. a big video game season for October, November, December. Hell yeah. I want to get NHL 23. I'm going to try and get it soon. I really would like to play it a lot. Um, so if you can find your boy a code, wink, wink, hint, hint, wink, wink. No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, and make sure you tune into all the other shows here at the Barroom Network. The football season's in full swing. We got people covering NFL, college football. Um, there's plenty of NBA coverage with the Bulls guys coming up here now that they start their season tonight against the Miami Heat on the road. Um, learn about the absence of Zach Levine and what that's going to do to impact the whole team going forward. He will probably miss Friday's game in Washington as well and then be ready for Sunday's home opener when the Chicago Bulls finally take the United Center court. That's very exciting. The Chicago Blackhawks well underway. We are covering the NHL to the full extent here at the Bar Down Talking Hockey Podcast every Wednesday at 2 o'clock. And then every Thursday, including tomorrow, 2 p.m., we will have Crosstown Crosstalk, where I will go over the American League Championship Series with Frankie's Houston Astros and Joey's New York Yankees. And then the National League Championship Series with the Philadelphia Phillies and the San Diego Padres. Very exciting stuff. Make sure you tune in tomorrow at 2 p.m., and we will see everybody next week, as always. Thank you for listening.